This is We Need to Talk About Sam, a podcast where a Supernatural superfan and a Supernatural newbie discuss every single episode of the hit CW show. And this week we are concluding our coverage of season two with our wrap-up episode. And it's going to be a lot of fun. So (laughs) without further ado, I'm Kenzie. I'm Haley. And we need to talk about Sam. up and i'm i still am like what the fuck do we do what's the process here uh we should go through do do we want to go through episode by episode or should we just talk about our favorites or what um i think we could go through i think we should go through episode by episode um you have the list of them i'm gonna save i do i have the wiki page open with the list i'm gonna save our listener write-in that we got for um the episode it applies to okay um which is episode 20 (laughs) what was the feedback Uh, comment that you got oh that applies to the finale so (laughs) okay comment that i got that i told you was a discuss like a discussion prompt that one that one we'll talk about near the end so thank you to the when both two people that gave us some uh <laughs> yes thank you so much it's very exciting yeah very very exciting we, we got some participation so that's yes. exciting yes which is so fun i love it i love it it makes me happy that's two more All than right. last time <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh i also got some um discussion topic suggestions from some of my friends in one of my like main discord server i hang out in so thank you guys that was very helpful because i wanted a couple more of like ideas of things to talk about so we may not touch on them all but they gave me some suggestions for things to talk about at least uh and i'm excited so let's get into it okay just start with going through the episodes then yeah that's what we did last time so i figure it worked <laughs> it was fun too it's actually really fun to listen to especially because i listened to it on one and a half times speed and it made my voice sound more like like a like what i think a podcaster's voice should sound like and i liked that <laughs> that was fun <laughs> what what's a podcaster's voice should sound like what's i don't that? know it just <laughs> well because i i was talking faster for starters um no one likes the sound of their just, like, voice on I think that's really the thing was that it changed my voice enough (laughs) or it was like it it was a slight enough change that I wasn't like wow that doesn't even sound like me but it was a big enough change for me to to be like wow I don't hate my voice anymore (laughs) honestly that's one of the the main reasons I don't listen to us back after we record because I I don't like the sound of my voice on recording like it it drives me nuts I can't listen to it (laughs) well change the speed <laughs> good to know <laughs> the recording and it helps it helps i am getting pretty used to listening to my own voice because i have to listen to every single one of the episodes <laughs> yeah you have to listen to it since uh, you're the editor <laughs> yeah yeah so i'm getting like i'm getting used to it but it was still kind of nice to be like wow i don't hate the sound of my own voice for once <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right 
let's get into this. So, we kick this season off with In My Time of Dying. This is a good episode. Yeah. I I loved In My Time of Dying. All right. It, I loved uh, honestly, In My Time of Dying. It doesn't, sound, it doesn't feel like we recorded that season opener that long ago. <laughs> it feels like yeah, it was a short time it, ago. But also, it's, it kind of feels like it's been forever, because I'm like, I don't even remember what we talked about. Babe, it was 21 weeks ago. Ow. <laughs> Wait, when, did, when was the record date for that? The record date for the first episode of season two, I even have our schedule open, was August 8th. August 8th, jeez. Or no, I think it was... Yes, yes, it was August 8th because we recorded the first episode of season two and then we recorded our season one wrap. I got confused because yeah. the dates okay. were out of order, but yeah, so we recorded the first episode of season two on the 8th and then we recorded our season one wrap up on the 14th. Yeah. <laughs> it's wild. Oh my gosh. That was forever ago. It's February. <laughs> I know. It just I remember vividly talking about it. You know. Yeah, just, I don't remember. Yeah, <laughs> some of the other episodes, like no, not much memory of recording, but this one I do. <laughs> That's interesting. Um, I I love. Um, in my time of dying, I think this is a perfect, like episode or like season premiere mm-hmm. is like is this oh it's, it's so perfect the way it just gets us right in and then they like wrap up the big conflict they left us with at the end of last season but then I think I said this when we recorded the episode which is that it puts the boys back at square one yeah which is really was really important because like it literally like they're basically back where they were at the beginning of season one no john no gun no demon like just them in the car yeah you know and actually they don't even have the car (laughs) for the whole first first two episodes yeah the car's totaled (laughs) no car (laughs) yeah so like we literally the boys are starting from scratch which is a great way to kick off a season, I think, because then it gives the boys, it gives them something to work for, but it's also something that's, like, much more clearly defined, you know? Because at the beginning of season one, it was, like, find dad, hunt the thing that killed mom, and it wasn't until kind of the end of the season that we were like, oh, John's looking for a gun to kill a demon, you know? And so now we're, like, back where we were at the beginning of season one, kind of, but with more clearly defined, like, goals, which is, like the cult, the demon, um, but there's still the mystery of, like, what did John tell Sam, or what did John tell Dean, what's with Sam's vision, so, like, there's some, some stuff that we don't know, but they're, like, some of the bigger goals are very clearly defined now, which is great for a season two. Yeah, and um, I like the different dynamic of, you know, Dean not being able to communicate mm-hmm. until he figures out a way to communicate, and... yeah. Just like that, allowing like like one of the boys to like struggle will be on the side of like they're they're part of the flip flop paranormal, you know. This time, yes, yeah, but 
I was just I just realized that grief wise they kind of flip a little bit. Like obviously Sam is grieving John still. Like that that is not a, a question. Like Sam is grieving the loss of his father. But at the beginning of season one, Sam was like really heavy into his grieving process with Jess and wasn't processing it very well. And that is where Dean is at at the beginning of the season after this episode is Dean is in his grieving process for John and it is going poorly. Yeah. <laughs> He's not doing great. Granted, Sam's not doing too much better, but Sam like wants to talk about it and Dean is like, hell no, which is kind of flip flop of where they were at the beginning of season one, where Dean was like, talk about it. And Sam was like, no, <laughs> um, it's it's interesting. I just realized that they kind of flipped there in the, like the grieving process. Um, do 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 do, and then we go into everybody loves a clown, right? <gasps> and we meet Joe. Yep, Ellen and Joe <laughs> and Ash. Joe and Ellen and Ash. Oh, I love Joe, love Joe. And that brings us to actually one of the discussion topics that I made a note to talk about. Which is the parallels between Sam and Joe, which are very interesting. Hmm. I think is fun because they're both there. I think Joe is a couple years younger than Sam, um, but like they both like were raised with like knowing about monsters and hunting and stuff. Um, they both lost a parent because of a supernatural reason. Um, their other parent didn't maybe process it quite well. I think Ellen did a better job than John by far. Yeah. But I also think Ellen was already like in the life when Bill died. Like Ellen knew about hunting already. John had no, no idea about anything supernatural when Mary died. So John was like the crazy guy in town who was talking about how something supernatural killed his wife. Whereas Ellen's like, yeah, no, I know my husband died on a hunt. Like, and plus, Ellen already had, like, a, a solid ground to build on, too. Like, she already had the roadhouse, I'm pretty sure. Or at least, like, you know, she's more, she was more established within the hunting community and stuff. Um, but yeah, they both grew up, like, hunting or wanting to hunt. They both went to college they both came back because, and they neither of them fit in at college. I think Joe says that she was a freak with a knife collection. <laughs> um, like, I love this. I love the Joe Sam parallels. Um, as a Winces shipper, I really love the Joe Sam parallels <laughs> because Joe is hardcore crushing on Dean. <laughs> oh. I think it's fun. I think it's very fun. It's, I love Joe. I love Ellen and Joe. As far as overall episodes, this episode of uh, the seasons, this is probably one of, I don't know, my least favorite ones. Yeah, I think like Monster of the Week wise, I think I'd probably put this one kind of lower on the list. We do get some kind of important brother moments, like we get, well, we get because we get um, Sam trying to get Dean to talk about his feelings mm -hmm. um, which was a failed venture to begin with and then you t get like Dean's release of emotions at the end where he just takes out his anger on oh, the yeah. Impala 
oh, that scene hurts. Yeah. It, like, hurts me in my soul. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Because <laughs> you know he loves that car, and he just... Yeah. And that level of just, like, fucked up emotions that... Yeah. Does not know how to cope think... healthily. <laughs> yeah. I think In My Time of Dying is pretty high on my list for this season. One of these days I'll go through and I'll, like, rank each episode, like, within its season or something. Not today. We're not doing that today. I don't have the energy for that. <laughs> um, in My Time of Dying is pretty high, but Everybody Loves a Clown is kind of in the bottom half, I think, of the list. Like, it's definitely not, like, my least favorite episode. I honestly would have a hard time po- pinpointing any of season two, I think, as my least favorite episode. Like, I just generally really love season two. Season two's like a <laughs> solid season. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. And, like, some of the episodes are not as good as others, and, you know, it goes up and down. But overall, like, they're all pretty strong episodes. Um, I would say I maybe, just... like, Children Shouldn't Play with Dead Things might be my least favorite episode on the list. I don't remember like, what that one is. Oh, that's yeah. the zombie one. That's December 4. We'll get to yeah. it in a second. Um, but yeah, I think In My Time of Dying is probably, like, near the top, and then Everybody Loves a Clown is, like, somewhere in the bottom half. It's just the Monster of the Week plot is not yeah, as compelling. Not it's, it's honestly kind of more the B plot anyways, like, yeah, the A plot is I think... their emotions after their father's death and meeting Ellen and Joe and all that. Is more yeah. of the prominent storyline. I, I would, like, label-wise, I would flip those. Like, the hunt is supposed to be, like, the A plot, and then all the B plot is the emotional stuff underneath. They didn't... But they that didn't is the fo- part that... They didn't focus the on the, the episode. They didn't focus on that as being the focus, though, of the monster hunt. Know. That's kind of more of a side thing. Yeah, I don't maybe know. they're kind of more evenly balanced, but... Because that's generally how it goes, is, like, the A plot is, like, the main, like go do the thing yeah you know plot whereas the b plot the subplots is the emotions and all that sort of stuff but I, they are a little more evenly laid out within this episode i don't know i feel like this and is definitely... one of the episodes where they kind of switched a little bit maybe i don't know maybe i'm just not remembering like not it remembering it as well <laughs> i don't know um and then we get bloodlust this is our introduction to gordon isn't it? Yeah. It is. It is. Um, is it Anne? No. They they met vampires last season, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, they met vampires in Dead Man's Blood. Yeah. Which okay. is the first episode after Shadow, I think, where they reunite with John. Because um, they, like, briefly come together at the end of Shadow and then go their separate ways again. And then at Dead Man's Blood, they, like, come together and then they don't separate again until... Well, until John gets kidnapped. Um, <laughs> um, I didn't realize Bloodlust is written by Sarah Gamble. I generally like her episodes, I've discovered. Um, but yeah, we get Gordon. I love Gordon as a character. Like, yeah, as a villain, he's so great. Sterling is incredible. Every single time he comes across our screen, he is just a joy to watch. Work yeah. Because he's so good. Such a talented actor. Um, he came up... I don't remember what show he's in right now. He's in a show right now. Um, but a TikTok 
posted by one of his co-stars came up on my For You page involving him. They were, like, doing a... Oh, they were doing the, um... They were doing that Celine Dion trend. Um... Where they lip sync to It's All Coming Back to Me, or whatever the song is called. And then, like, like people, there'll be somebody, like, there'll be, like, a costume change or a leaf blower yeah. for a wind machine <laughs> or things like that. And um, Sterling was the, like, the lights, <laughs> like, waving some lights around or something, if I remember correctly. It was really funny. I love those videos. Those are great. But, yeah, he seems like a really great guy. Um, I think he's a won awards too which is cool um he's a really see. talented actor mm-hmm. let me see it's his imdb that's what i was looking for from the start fiddle switch i he's he's great um yeah he's won an emmy for outstanding lead actor in a drama series as well as a golden globe becoming the first African-American actor to win his category in the award show's 75-year history. Damn. Wow. Go Sterling. That's awesome. D- disappointing that it took 75 years, yeah. but like... <laughs> that part, that yeah. is awesome, but that's oh, cool that it was you did This it. Is Us. It was the him oh. and two of his co-stars from This Is Us that were doing the, the that TikTok trend. It was really, it was, it was a really he, funny. He's video. in that show? Yeah. I've heard good things about it. I think I've heard it mentioned a few times. Yeah, but I don't... I have not seen it. I don't really know anything about it. Um, But he's so incredible. And yeah, I love him as Gordon. And I think this introduction to Gordon is so... Is very interesting because we get... Like, he serves as like a... um, I feel... I want to say foil, but I, I know that's the wrong word. Uh, but he, he's like a, well, I guess maybe foil is the right word, but he's like a mirror with which, like, we are getting, like, deeper looks at the brothers as a result of, especially Dean. Like, Dean actually kind of opens up, you know? And, um, yeah, I really love that. But also, in Bloodlust, we get our first... Um, our first inkling, not inkling, our first look at this through line that will kind of come in and out throughout the seasons, but is kind of pretty heavily um, leaned into in season two, which is the, like, what actually makes a monster evil mm-hmm. kind of thing. We get the conversation between Sam and Dean where Dean's like, we hunt monsters, and Sam's like, no, we hunt evil. Um and that question of like is a mo- if is a supernatural being actually a mo- like an evil creature just because of what it is you know and that's something that'll come up a few times yeah cuz we have the, the like the vegetarian vampires in this episode right yeah 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 <laughs> we say vegetarian but i feel like that's the like the i know that's not but there's not a better word. That's the twilight <laughs> term for them. Is it? Yeah. I'm not. I'm not. They feed with on uh, um, animals. Yeah. Animals, not humans. Yeah, but like we get them. We get um, in Roadkill. We have the ghost in Heart. We have um, Madison. <laughs> 
forgot her name. Yeah. And then we have the special kids throughout the season as well. Yeah. It's the, like, Andy and... Ava. Ava. It's the, is it something evil, inherently evil, just because it's not human? human. Yeah. And I like, Which is a very important question I like for the that, uh, audience to be keeping in mind. I like that juxtaposition, too, with, like, Gordon, who is human. Where yeah. he, he's kind of become the monster brutal. and the villain. And, like, mm-hmm. the like the vampires are actually, like, the good guys in this time. Yeah. In the story. And it kind of, like, it also reminds me of, like, um, Benders, which is an episode that's yeah. like, yeah, we've introduced you to all of these monsters, but humans are monsters, too. Yeah. Like, evil doesn't just have supernatural abilities. Yeah. Evil can be anybody, you know? Um... Uh, and then leading from Bloodlust, we get definitely, I think, yeah, my least favorite episode of the season, which is Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things. This is the zombie one. Yeah, this one's kind of meh. <laughs> yeah. It's just kind of not a... Not a huge fan of this one. It's just more of a monster of the week. There's not really much of a meta plot going on, is there? No, we get a little bit, because it's, like, the boys go to, like, visit their mom's grave. Oh, Yeah. Dean buries John's dog tags. Or Sam buries them. Um, Dean thinks there's a hunt. And Sam doesn't think there's a hunt. There's a whole thing about that. And there's the, like, we get the, like, John, or Sam's, not Sam. Dean's, good lord, I had to go through all three of their names. I'm like a parent. It's like when your dad, I don't, your dad only has two kids. My dad has five to remember. So but he'll go through every single name before he lands on mine. <laughs> But my dad still funny. gets our names wrong. He he will call us the, the dogs, <laughs> dogs our names. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! <laughs> At least I get mixed up with my sisters. <laughs> I honestly okay. I get mixed up with all of my siblings. With the girls, it's more with like, like usually, like with my two younger sisters. They get mixed up with each other and me. And with the boys, they get mixed up with each other. But because my full name starts with an M and my, like, preferred name starts with a K, um, and the girls all start with M's in my family and the boys all start with K's. Mm. So I'm, like, right in the middle. And so I get called my brother's names all the time. (laughs) All the time. (laughs) Okay. Um, getting back on topic, we get the, um... Dean's saying, or he says, what's dead should stay dead. Mm, yeah. He get, like, gets aggressive with um the father of the dead girl. Yeah. And says that what's dead should stay dead. Um, which is a very interesting philosophy that doesn't apply to Dean. <laughs> doesn't apply to the Winchester. <laughs> or Sam. <laughs> um, yeah. But I think the main complaint I have with this episode, like the idea of like a zombie getting revenge and stuff like that like that's fun but my issue is the whole the sexual that, ne- like she's necrophiliac uh, <laughs> stuff going on yeah it's the like it's the fact that it was like the nice guy best friend who was in love with her that brings her back because he's and then like she because he brought her back she now loves him yeah <laughs> like it's honestly it's he deserved to die he, I'm glad she killed him. He deserved it. Um, 
but yeah, it really makes me uncomfy. It's like a, a consent thing that icks me out. Not not yeah. a fan. Well, it's really not, not really fan. her. I mean, she's yeah. Dead. It's weird. It's like a zombie it's like magic a, thing, but it's, it's not really it's like her. A, <laughs> it's like a doll version of her almost. Like he's literally dehumanized her. Like he's turned her into this like object. Yeah. Like to control and have a happy life of his design with. Yeah. And then it all goes wrong and honestly he deserved he got what he deserved. Um which was a brutal death. Oh. <laughs> uh, but our next episode is a good episode that also has some consent issues that make me mad. Um, <laughs> That's going to be a theme in Supernatural. <laughs> it is. It is a theme. I don't think I've tracked these last these two episodes in my spreadsheet. I might have to, I'm going to have to make a note to do that. Um, but this is... It's a me, Andy. Yes. And Elijah Wood's evil twin. Andy and Elijah Wood's evil twin. I swear he looks and sounds just like Elijah Wood. He does. When he came up in the um, recap for, oh, which part of, I don't remember if it was part one or part part two of All Hell Breaks Loose. I think it was part one. Um, I was like, I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) What the heck? Like Frodo. Um, Yeah, how have I not insert one above let's see this is simon said is 205 and some can't remember her name is this ever properly addressed no Oh, fun, funny fact. Um, the actor that plays Anson, which is the guy that looks like Elijah Wood, his first name is uh-huh. Elias. Is he really? Elias oh my God. and Elijah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. He's a doppelganger or something. That is it's so funny. weird. It's crazy. <laughs> All right. So overall, I think I like Simon Says. Or yeah. Simon Said. I like andy i like him a lot i like that we meet Um, another special kid that's not like psycho mm -hmm. (laughs) we like are finally getting back into the like the meta plot of the season um but and once again we're dealing with the theme of um does something having supernatural abilities make it inherently evil and sam grappling with the idea that because he has these powers maybe he's destined to go to to become evil in the end um i love that i honestly had not noticed that like through line and how like blatant it is within this season until my friend val mentioned it and i was like wow (laughs) you are completely right like that's super obvious <laughs> how did i not notice that before um but yeah i like simon said i think it's a good episode minus the whole control of tracy and yeah not just the trying to make her jump off a bridge part yeah <laughs> not not fun we won't get too deep into that because i'm pretty sure we got pretty deep into it um, during our actual coverage of the episode. Um, after this episode comes, let me hit next episode, no exit. 
This is a this is a good one. I like No Exit. Um, yeah, the, this is when we get to know Joe more. The ghost guy creeped me out in this one. H. H. Holmes, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was gross. I had a lot of fun delving into the like <laughs> real life. Yeah, I know you story did. Story <laughs> of H. H. Holmes. I think that was really fun. Um, <laughs> but this is the episode where we get to know Joe mm-hmm. a bit better. Yeah. Um, we learned about her dad. We learned like why she wants to be a hunter so badly. Uh, it's also the last ass. time we see her this season, right? I think so. No. No. She's in Born Under a Bad Sign. Oh, yeah. Never mind. Okay. Yeah, that's the last time we'll see her this season. Um, But yeah, I mean, I like this because it gives us an insight into both Joe and Ellen, actually, mm-hmm. which is really fun. And John's past, too. And John's past, yeah. Um which I like. Um, overall, Monster of the Week-wise, I don't hate this one. This is definitely a very, like, Joe and Dean-heavy episode, um, and we really get them, like, connecting. We don't really get a lot of Sam. Um, but in the learning about Joe, like, we learn... Um, my brain just melted out of my ears. I don't know what I was saying. <laughs> This isn't, like, my favoritest episode. So I'd probably put this, like, somewhere in the middle of my yeah. list. I like I like getting to know Joe better. I always love when Joe's around. Yeah, she's pretty she's badass. She's fun. She's great. We like Joe in this house. <laughs> um, I'm always happy when we get more uh, women main characters in Supernatural. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, unfortunately for you, you are coming in after the fact of a show that has had a consistently misogynistic fan base for a long time, even though a good section of that fan base is women. Yeah, <laughs> we hate internalized yeah. misogyny. <laughs> we, yep, yep. Um, I think Jensen has cl- has like said before at conventions that like. Um, they would love to have more women on the show, but the fans hate it. Like, the fans Why? hate it. Because it's like a... Representation like, matters. I, like, yeah. Well, first off, it was kind of the early, mid-2000s, but this does continue throughout the entire show, so I can't really use that, like, reasoning for the whole thing. Is um, it just because they're I jealous of anyone being paired with the guys? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a, um... Uh, I think it's partially like a like um, I know specifically like Alana who plays Joe got a lot of hate mail and so did the writers like they got a lot of hate mail about Joe and Dean's relationship um, like because so I guess it's like people want to like if like the boys are unavailable then how can you like imagine yourself with them or something i don't know and also it's like fiction. from the shippers i know it's like well that that like these two characters being together ruins my ship of these two characters being together and like it's just I, oh gosh it's me mad it's bullshit but we like joe in this house we stand the women of supernatural they are fantastic and beautiful and badass and we love them a lot yeah um 
and we have a pretty cool temporary woman of supernatural <laughs> in the next episode with Linda Blair. <laughs> yes. I was trying to find her name and it doesn't Diana say it Ballard. Yeah, it doesn't say her name anywhere on the wiki page. <laughs> oh, there it is. It's like way down at the bottom of the comment section. Or like not comments, they're like trivia section. Which I guess makes sense and that makes sense for it to be. But yeah, we get Linda Blair and she does a great job. Honestly, I think this episode kind of gets written off sometimes. But I actually really love The Usual Suspects. I think it's fun. Like, we get the boys separated. Like, uh, Dean all locked up, and Sam has to go do all the stuff on his own, basically, and still, like, the day. learning how, like, they're still, like, communicating and working together yes. even when they're separate. Because yes. they have these, like, secret codes or whatever <laughs> they yes, worked yes, out. Yes, Oh my gosh, I love that. I, that's one of the things that's really cool about when the boys get separated because then we like we get to see how actually in sync they are mm -hmm. um, and how they've probably thought through every possible scenario and what to do in these different yeah. situations ahead of time and yeah so like we we get both boys jokingly calling their lawyer Matlock <laughs> separately they are in separate rooms like down the hall from each other or something like they both say it. Um, we get the uh, the note where Dean makes a great escape reference uh, to like indicate that he's gonna buy time for Sam to get out of there. Uh, the I think Dean is the one I think who reveals that Sam will be at the first motel in the Yellow Pages. Um, so, and they sign in as Jim Rockford when they get separate. It's the method they use to find each other when separated. Um, Jim Rockford is a private, a fictional private investigator from a 1970s TV series. Like, I love it. I love it. It makes me happy. <laughs> it just, it reveals in subtle ways all, like, the deep history that they have. And obviously, like, they've got a big history because they grew up together, but, like, like, it really shows us, like, this was their childhood. This, they are so in sync with each other that they could never have a conversation this whole time and still, like, know exactly what to do, how to find each other. It's, it's crazy. I love it. Yeah. I love it so much. <laughs> Plus, Linda does a great job, I think. Oh, yeah. I liked her a lot. <laughs> she's, she's real good fun. I love Dean's, like, final comment if for some reason I could really go for some pea soup. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Oh, I think usual suspects. That's the wrong... I just confused myself by opening, like, clicking on the wrong tab. I was like, what? I like usual suspects. It's a good episode. We don't really get... It's a very standalone episode. We don't get a lot of, like, deep brother stuff in that episode or meta stuff or anything. We just kind of, like, we get a peek into, like, how they work as a team 
and as a team separated and that's kind of it but honestly that's not a bad thing like i think it's pretty fun yeah um and then it's followed by crossroad blues which is at first glance i think a like like oh we're like revealing a new piece of lore and this episode stands alone pretty well but this episode actually like we get into a lot of the things um, that will be brought up um yeah, were important to set up important. ahead of time for the finale with the crossroads demons and all that yeah there's that that it, like it's very important that we um set all that up we also get the reveal that john sold his soul mm, yeah um and that the boys like know this um let me open my notes episode notes me season two episode eight um it's like that's a pretty big reveal yeah that john sold his soul um i forgot that we didn't find out about that until now yeah and we kind of get into how dean might feel about it like when he asks the guy who sold his soul for his wife like how do you think your wife would feel um and the guy's like well i did it i did it to save her and dean's like no you did it because you couldn't live without her um <laughs> which is ironic since this will be what dean does for sam later. Goes, yeah yeah dude's a little bit of a hypocrite sometimes um uh yeah so like that's kind of a peek into it but it's a peek into how dean is feeling about what john did because he's like no like john didn't sell his soul to save like like selflessly like it wasn't a completely selfless act like it was in fact incredibly selfish because now sam and dean have to live without their father mm-hmm. and that's dean's like why the like why would you do that you know because um, I think like, he he tells Evan like Evan didn't want to live without Julie but now Julie has to live without Evan like if he dies yeah like how how on earth does he think she's gonna feel in the aftermath of that and then those are the exact same questions that <laughs> Sam is gonna be asking him at the end of this fucking season because he's like I'm sorry <laughs> do you think I don't care about you at all like yeah oh this episode does actually lay out some pretty some pretty like early foundation for where this season's gonna go um but yeah like at the end of the episode um they talk about the deal and dean's like how the hell am i supposed to live with the knowledge that like that john is in hell like that's not how john should have gone out um and uh sam i love sam's statement that like that they are john's legacy um but we really yeah crossroad blues really gives us kind of a look into dean's headspace for um like at this point in the season and specifically concerning what john did Mm -hmm. so and then we go into Croatoan. 
which is honestly one of my favorite episodes this season. <laughs> it's so good. It is. It's definitely one that I like. It's like super intense and it's top episodes. one that watching the first time I could have not predicted it to go the way it does, you know? It's honestly really unique. Yeah. Um, And not like unique like French Mistake or Baby or Lebanon or Scooby Natural where they like do something completely out of the box. But like it's unique in that like the boys like because normally what happens is like the boys come to town i guess they kind of do this but like they come to town and like interview a bunch of people and then they like burn the wrong bones or something or burn a painting but actually that wasn't what they were supposed to be burning and you know but with this one like it's and they like deal like go all over the place and but this episode is very focused in this like one building yeah um and we get like kind of like a like a capsule of these like this town instead of um i don't know it's kind of hard to explain like something about this episode because like it's like at its base elements it's the same format as any other supernatural episode but it really stands out to me and i think part of it is because what they're fighting isn't something that they can salt and burn or exercise or something it shoot with silver bullets or whatever like it's this time you know something they don't have an explanation for yeah it's a complete mystery yeah like it's intangible um yeah it's just it's such an interesting episode and it adds a lot into the meta plot with uh sam's blood Mm -hmm. which we will find out in the season finale what's really going on with that but the fact that sam is completely unaffected but we also uh i'm just realizing i don't i can't believe i didn't make this connection when we were talking about 220 or 222 um this is like our first instance this season of Dean being like, No, I cannot live without my brother. I will not live without my brother. I will go down like I will like die right here with him. Yeah. You know? Because otherwise like he just he's incapable of it. And I I don't know how I didn't make that connection. We were talking about two twenty or two twenty two. Cause like we get this is our first instance of Dean being like, this is the only person I have left on the whole planet. Like, this is my only family. And not only that, like, his only family is also his most important family. Like, yeah, you know, Sam is Dean's number one priority. Um, and so this is our first instance of seeing Dean being like, hell no. I, like he has an option he's like yeah the, they're like come with us leave with us leave him here to die alone and Dean's like no like I cannot he's physically incapable of leaving and existing in a world without Sam yeah uh I don't I can't believe I didn't make that connection <laughs> <laughs> it shows us you know a snippet of what how far he's willing to go later on yeah yeah, this is our, like, first, like, hint at, like, that Dean is a little bit psychotic when it comes to his brother. Um, this isn't, yeah, and then, I can't remember, is this the end of the episode where 
We find out what John said to Dean, or is that later? It's the very beginning of the next episode. Okay, like, so they it was cut like us the... off right before. Was this like the yeah. mid-season finale? I think it was. They, they it left was the it on the finale. on the cliffhanger. Because let's see, yeah, um, Croton aired on December seventh, and Hunted aired on January eleventh. So yeah, that was the mid-season finale. Okay. Can you? <sighs> I would have died. I would have been so mad. <laughs> this whole season, there's lots of cliffhangers. Gah. They really get you. They really get you. Um, these early seasons cliffhangers are some of my favorites, too. Some of my absolute favorites. There's some good ones in later seasons, but the early seasons ones just hit. Just, oh, so good. Um, but yeah, the end of Croton leads us right into the beginning of Hunted, where we get... Like, these two episodes really kind of tie together, because Sam is like, there's something wrong with me. And then in Hunted, or in Croton, Sam's like, there's something, like, seriously wrong, like, here. Like, why wasn't I affected by the virus? And then in Hunted, he's like, I have to go figure this out. And then it leads to chaos because Gordon is like, hey, there's something seriously wrong with Sam Winchester. <laughs> and comes in to cause some trouble. Um, I like Hunted. It's the first episode where we meet Ava. Yeah. Um... But, yeah, like you said, at the very beginning of this, we learn that the big secret is that um, Dean has to save Sam, and if he can't save him, he might have to kill him. Which basically implies that Dean has to stop Sam from turning evil, and if he can't, like, if Sam goes evil, Dean will have to be the one to kill him. Um, And this just reiterates what Sam was thinking at the end of Simon Said, which is like, yeah, Andy wasn't bad, but that doesn't mean that, like, his powers are good. Like, Ansem went bad. Mm-hmm. Max, or Matt, or Max. This is Max, right? The guy from Nightmare? The, t- the guy with telekinesis? Um, yeah, I think so. Like, he went bad, so Sam's like, well, like, we all have one thing in common, and like right now it's flip a coin yeah (laughs) don't like those odds those aren't great odds starting Um, i feel like starting this episode it's kind of and goes throughout the rest of the season like sam's arc of wanting to be like extra good and save everyone that somehow that'll negate yes postpone the him turning bad or whatever Uh uh-huh sam is dead set on being the absolute best person he can be like and that's that's not just a season two thing that's like a all that that continues on where he's like determined to make all the good decisions to be a good person to save the world and but the road to hell is paved with good intentions like so it's like is is this gonna be enough yeah is his determination to be a good person gonna be enough um but yeah i love hunted i think it's a great episode we get gordon again gordon is always a treat (laughs) just like like i said earlier i just every single episode he's in i thoroughly enjoy 
Um, this episode does have the issue of Sam calling the cops on him. Uh, yeah. Which I saw someone tweeting about. And I think we mentioned in our coverage of the episode, and I neither of us are qualified to like really delve deep into that. Like we don't like we are both white or at least white passing and we were both raised very white. Yeah. <laughs> like we this is not our area of expertise. I would genuinely really love to have a fan of color as a podcast guest yeah like like specifically a a listener i would love to have a listener of color on the podcast to kind of give us their thoughts on things and like educate us a little bit i definitely i do still need to go through and read some more of those um essays uh i will once again link that super wiki page in the show notes um the collection of essays by fans of color about race within Supernatural. Um, I need to familiarize myself with that more. But yeah, so we don't... We are not qualified to... Yeah. <laughs> to have any sort of really meaningful discussion on the, like, Gordon in... Like, on that subject. But as a character... I find Gordon extremely interesting. I think he's a lot of fun. Yeah. I think he's incredibly well played because Sterling is phenomenal. The man's award winning, like I said, like he's just so good. And his chemistry with Jared and Jensen, like you get them all on screen together, even just like in pairs. And oh my gosh, it's so good (laughs) every time. (laughs) It's just, he's just a treat. To watch but yeah in general i like hunted a lot um and this is the episode where we meet ava isn't it yes, yes. we went over that yes <laughs> did we yeah okay i love ava as well she's great um i have some thoughts about ava but i will save those until we get to 21 <gasps> but our next episode is playthings i love playthings i love it as a monster of the week i love it as like like meta plot like brother stuff i just freaking love playthings i love it as like a creepy horror episode like playthings for me is kind of the bloody mary of season two like it's the episode that you watch it and you just get chills like it's just creepy it's so perfect i love it um I didn't realize it takes place about one month after Hunted. Um, yeah, Playthings is just an all-around great episode. It's also one of the episodes that, like, um, Playthings is one of the, those episodes that I think stands pretty well on its own. Like, you, like, I can just sit down and watch Playthings, and I don't really feel like I have to watch Hunted before, you know, or even, like, the rest of season two. Like, I can just put on Playthings. Mm-hmm. Um but at the same time, within the whole of season two, like, it's also a really good, important episode because we get Sam having his breakdown, basically, um, where he begs Dean to promise him um, that he will fulfill John's, like, final instruction if Sam should turn evil, uh, which is a really powerful scene. 
Especially um, like following up that scene that he's able to actually save um, Maggie at the end, you know, yes. in the pool. Like yeah. that kind of, he feels like it kind of like redeems himself a little bit. Or um, Tyler, he saves Tyler. Maggie's the ghost. Oh, Tyler, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, I well, I got confused because I my I jumped to the last line of the synopsis on the super wiki and it says after the Winchesters leave the inn, Maggie and Rose now in the ghostly body of a young girl play jump rope together. Um, and I was like, wait, I thought, <laughs> wait, Maggie, what? <laughs> I was my bad. For a second, it's Tyler that he saves. Um, there's a bunch of little girls in this episode and they all look the same. Yeah, <laughs> they're all. <laughs> Children all look the same to me. <laughs> um, I genuinely don't remember my cousins' names on one side. Like, I don't remember any of their names. I don't, there's four of them. <laughs> I don't honestly see them that much. So, like, you know, but I'm like, I don't know which one is which. Yeah. <laughs> um, I also like- but yeah, we get some. Um, the, like, not knowing you right away that, like, Maggie's actually a ghost. Yes! You think there's two children and realize that, oh, they can't see one of them. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That reveal where Dean's like, um, he says something about, like, Tyler and Maggie and, or your two, your two daughters. Yeah. And the mom's like, what? Wait, I just have (laughs) one daughter. I love that. That's one of those (laughs) things. That's one of the details of this episode that makes it, like, the Bloody Mary of this season where you just are, like, creeped the fuck out yeah like because oh chills i love that it's super well done the way they do that just overall playthings is just a very well done episode who is it written by it's written by matt witten and directed by charles beeson i don't really recognize either of those names like within the grand supernatural behind the scenes universe um but they did a fantastic job i was thinking this episode is for sam what um bloodlust was for dean a little bit where they like lose control kind of and reveal their like deep feelings like the stuff that they've been shoving down um and sam reveals it to dean and dean reveals it to gordon but like we get this look behind Mm -hmm. their like all of the walls they're putting up to hide these emotions from each other and like the walls come down and we're like okay this is how they're actually feeling right now um so which i it's really important (laughs) um but yeah i just overall really love playthings and then of course we get dean being like yeah i've made this promise um to sam but i have zero intention of keeping it yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he will never keep that promise. Yeah. It's not happening. Well, he'll keep the um, first part. <laughs> the save Sam? Yeah. <laughs> part? Yeah. Uh... Oh, and this is followed by Night Shifter. No, this and one. This is where. This one's one of my favorite the... episodes this season as well. It's so such good. <laughs> a good episode. This is. This episode is kind of like Chromatoan in that they are locked in to a place. Maybe I like, like those that type of episodes. <laughs> I don't, it's something like that. It's something about the way that the episode is like set up 
where they're not, like, dealing with, like, a whole town or whatever. Like, they're mm-hmm. in one building for most of the episode. But I just... Night Shifter's just a great episode. And it is very... This one is also very standalone. This yeah. One, um, also love uh, Ron. He's a great <laughs> <yeah>. character. <laughs> He's a really great character. And plus oh, we get introduced to Hendrickson name? for the first time, who's another yes. great character. Mm-hmm. Chris Gothier? I think is how you say his last name. Um, he does a great job. Um, but yeah, I was gonna say this is the episode where skin comes back to bite them in the ass. Yeah, the whole <laughs> skin whole reason and the usual suspects. Yeah, the whole reason especially why skin. they're wanted by the laws. These stupid shape shifters. <laughs> yeah, they keep getting them yeah. into problems. I still want to know, like, like legitimately, like there was a dead body that looked like Dean. Yeah. That they buried. Like, did or did they cremate it? Did they maybe cremate it? And so there's like no body to dig up because I'm like, if they like, like exhumed this corpse, would it still look like Dean? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Shapeshifters always seem to maintain their the form of their. Like, whatever they, or not whatever, they don't turn into chairs. <laughs> Whoever they, like, were impersonating when they die, they, like, seem to retain that form. But we never really, yeah, I think like, it... obviously we've never, like, s- seen a shapeshifter corpse decomposed. So, like, I, I think they're... Would it still be Dean? They, like, somehow change, like, at a cellular level, you know? So, yeah, whoever they're, they look like at that moment, they really are like cell wise yeah, that they, person yeah like dn like they're down to the yeah their dna like yeah. they even get their memories yeah so i'm like if they must have cremated him they must have because otherwise like like they probably would have exhumed the body because they'd be like holy shit this dude's alive what the fuck like and dug up the body to be like well then who the fuck did we bury and been yeah. like, but that's also Dean. So what is going on here? You know? So he must have been cremated. That's that's been one of my big questions of season two. It's like yeah. oh, <laughs> Um But yeah, this is where skin specifically comes back to bite him in the ass. And this is our introduction to Hendrickson. And it is also the episode with one of my absolute all time favorite music moments, which is when mm, the yeah. boys escape the building in the SWAT uniforms. Mm-hmm. Um, to renegade. Yeah, such, such a good moment. This is a very standalone episode within the meta plot of the season, the whole like special kids thing. But it does still connect to back to other episodes, and will like connect forward to other episodes as well. So it's not totally standalone. I don't know. I like something but... about this. These type of like eccentric, seemingly crazy characters that actually end up being right, like these conspiracy <laughs> yes. theorists, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're always good fun. Oh, speaking of Sam really, really desperately wanting to do the good thing. Yeah. Our, the next episode is Houses of the Holy, where he really wants to do the good thing. This was written by Sarah Gamble, directed by Kim Manners. A stellar team right there. Uh, I, Any episode Kim Manners directed is probably going to be a favorite of mine. Um... But yeah, 
this one was I love houses of holy it's so interesting and this is where you really get a real good look at how badly Sam needs to be like good yeah and like needs to know that he's good um and how like desperate he is for that the way he clings to this idea that an angel has visited him um like it tells a lot about sam um when i also i love the reveal um that sam prays i think is very interesting i've always found that to be a very interesting facet of sam's character is that sam is actually like religious like he believes in a higher power i don't think Um, that's that big of a jump thinking from him like all the stuff he's seen this crazy stuff he's like why (laughs) yeah demons are real maybe god is too you know yeah and he i think he frames it that way to dean and meanwhile dean's like like i'm sorry like if there was if there was like a good higher power wouldn't have done something by now you know yeah which is a very dean way of looking at it that like um if there's actually a god then why does he let all the bad things happen and i like how at the end their roles kind of reverse a little bit like sam's let down he's like maybe there isn't anything and dean's like well i just saw some weird shit go down so maybe it was god's doing (laughs) (laughs) yeah um but specifically in regards to Sam, um, like, we don't really know when Sam started praying, but n- at least for me, knowing some things about Sam that I may have touched on in our coverage of this episode, him being so desperate for there to be a higher being that he can, like, aspire to and, like, a goal, like, heaven, you know? Mm-hmm. Um... But, like, it's, I think it's partially also the idea that comes kind of inherently with Christian religions, which is the idea of, like, forgiveness. Um, and that, like, like when you die and go to heaven, if you've, like, been righteous or believed in Jesus, it depends on the religion that, like, every, like you will be, like, made whole or things like that. And the this isn't something that's been really touched on yet in the show but will be kind of revealed in later seasons, which is that Sam, even from a really young age, always felt like there was something wrong about him. And that's one of the details of Sam that, like, I really relate to. And so the idea of this, of, like, a young Sam desperately clinging to the idea that there is, like, a higher power that can make him, like, holy or clean if he does the right things. Yeah. Like it makes so much sense yeah uh like sam for me is like an embodiment <laughs> of both like like the queer story like yeah, i was gonna say that um, that's very queer coded you know feeling that yes. there's something innately sam wrong with you that needs to be so fixed or coded. yes yeah. exactly like i i think we discussed this maybe even in the episode the like like because like i knew from a really young age that i was never gonna marry a man and have mm-hmm. children that I was never gonna have children in general, but especially that I was never gonna have kids like with a man. I was never gonna marry a guy and live the yeah same <laughs> Molly Mormon life, you know. And so I felt like there was something inherently wrong with me that like I'd been made wrong. Yeah. 
Well, because that's kind of what and you're so, made to think when you grow up queer in a religion like that. Yeah. You're like, oh, yeah. there's something wrong with me and the way I was made, you know? Exactly. Because they frame it as like, well... It's a like, trial or something, you know? Yeah. So it's like, God made you this way, but also he will punish you for being this way. Right. Like, and it's 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 a whole thing. But like that that feeling like in your core is something that I think a lot of queer individuals who grow up in conservative households can really, really relate to, um, which is why I think I view Sam as really heavily queer-coded. But also, like, Sam is <laughs> an embodiment of religious trauma. Yeah. <laughs> he's also, within the show, especially the first five seasons, he's a Christ figure of sorts as well, which is something that I would love to delve into deeper once we get into, like, season four and five, which is real fun. Um, he There's lots of cross-symbology involved with Sam, um, and I think it kind of kickstarts with this episode with Houses of the Holy. There's all this religious symbology all over the episode um but yeah it's very 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 interesting very interesting but yeah i love houses of the holy um but yeah like you said the way they flip at the end Mm -hmm. i think is also really important because like yeah this establishment of like sam as believing in a higher power and stuff that's important but the flip-flop which kind of reminds me of faith a little bit to be mm-hmm. honest too yeah um where at the end of the episode dean kind of comes around a bit and is like i don't know maybe you know i still love that moment at the end of faith where he's like i don't he's like i don't really believe in god but i'll i'll pray for you and and um what's her name i can't remember her name says that's a miracle right there yeah like you know it's kind of like it's kind of that over again where dean's like i don't believe in this but i can't explain it um, and I love that. I love yeah. that that flip flop of the boys' views. That's the fun thing about episodes like these, where the boys start off like staunchly believing one way or the other, and then by the end of the episode, they've both like had their belief broken, mm-hmm. and they come back together now having changed sides. I yeah. always think that's interesting. It always leads to an interesting dynamic between the brothers. But then, oh my god, I didn't realize this. We literally go from an episode where Sam is like, I think an angel has spoken to me, to an episode where he gets possessed by a demon. Yeah. (laughs) This poor guy. (laughs) Oh, I didn't even realize that. How did I not make that connection? Not just any demon, Meg. (laughs) Meg. Oh. I could go on and on and on about Jared's portrayal of Meg. <laughs> it is so good. I still am absolutely in love with that quote from the um, Green Cooler. Oh, now let me find it. Let's see. Where's my notes? About the energy in the scene with Joe. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very... Um, here it is. Sapphic. Here it is. Yes. <laughs> That's great. Um... Or the green cooler says, um, I love green cooler. <laughs> They're one of my favorite accounts. They say the energy shifts to feminine. Mm-hmm. Um, the scene is two parts bitchy cheerleader and one part dark, one part dark sapphic. Yeah. It's so good. But the way Jared like folds in. He's like flir- flirting of, with her. Like he's a woman, you know, the way that 
the way that Nikki would have played it. Exactly. Like, yeah. It really, this scene really feels like Jared. He must have done so much. Like he must have watched her scenes over and over and over oh, again. Oh yeah, for sure. Because it really feels like he he does this. He's so so good at this. Um, that he just like took her way of portraying Meg and just like made it his own, but in a way that feels still feels like Nikki. Yeah. Like it feels like Nikki's portrayal of Meg in Jared's body and it's so good. Oh that the feminine yeah, the feminine energy mm-hmm. that he gives off. Like there's a way he moves, it's very cat like and it reminds me of when Sam and Dean are tied up in shadow. Mm-hmm. And she's, like, flirting with Sam and, like, getting all up in his face. Like, the way that she moves on top of him yeah. and stuff. He, he's doing similar things. And it's, oh, my God, it's so good. It's, like, the, <laughs> I don't know what the term is, like, body acting. Yeah, it's very, the the physicality of the character. The other example I can think about is, like, in the Harry Potter movies where they're in the Polyjuice Potion. Yes. And they have to mimic the other <laughs> actors. I think we may have brought that up we during might have. our recording of Born Under a Bad Sign, because I distinctly remember watching behind-the-scenes stuff of the, about that scene, and Daniel Radcliffe talking about, like, studying the movements of the other actors, yeah. to be like, how, how do they walk, Especially how with, do they um, hold their shoulders, Helena and, Bonham Carter and, how, like, and copying Emma Watson. Oh, yeah, and that one, too. Yeah. But, like... Like, Daniel Radcliffe talked about how, like, Rupert Grant walks with a sway, like, in his hips. Yeah. Like, actually, like, a kind of feminine motion in his hips that Daniel had to, like, nail. Yeah. You know? And and then, of course, there's a Helena Bowman Carter se- sequence, which is so good. So good. She is phenomenal. I love her. She's, <laughs> She's so great. good. She's just fantastic. Um, but, yeah. I think... I think... Born Under a Bad Sign is top three for me. It's a good one. I think (laughs) it's really hard because season two is full of so many good episodes. Yeah. (laughs) It's really hard, but I always come back to Born Under a Bad Sign. Like, I think my, like, top five episodes for season two... I shouldn't do this right now. I'll do this later. (laughs) Do it at the end of the episode. Um, But yeah, Born Under a Bad Sign is, like, top three. Like, it's really hard to pinpoint which one is number one because it also kind of fluctuates by my mood but it is definitely like like if you ask me like what are your favorite episodes from season two born under bad sign comes to mind immediately Hmm. um we should both like name our top five at the end (laughs) mm -hmm. i think we should um but yeah i didn't even realize the fact that sam literally goes from i think an angel has spoken to me and then the next episode gets possessed by a demon. <laughs> yeah, poor Sam. This poor man. <laughs> poor Sam. God. And then we don't even really get to, like, know how that fucks him up. He doesn't really talk about it. We get a joke about how Sam full-on had a girl inside of him for, like, a week. <laughs> and then that's it. Yeah. Um, Because the next episode is Tall Tales. Which, which is, is another, another great one. Great episode. We, this is kind of, like, the more uh, comedic relief of the season. There definitely tall tales i love the way tall tales is written mm, yeah with the like the boys telling the story and you like getting two different versions of one scene and stuff or you like don't that. really get what you feel like so is an authentic 
point of view until like the it's end when they come together very very <laughs> unreliable narrator yeah. for the first big chunk of the episode and it's so much fun because you really get to kind of see how the boys view each other <laughs> like each other's behavior just ultra know? dramatized <laughs> it yeah yeah like taken to the max in both directions dialed to 100 <laughs> so fun and i love the trickster the trickster yeah. character is great i he's so much fun i'm glad I that we get him bobby coming, coming back in and he's being a great like, character. yeah uh i love bobby coming in being like oh my god like guys <laughs> are you sure you're john winchester's kids because you're idiots <laughs> like if you'd stop fighting so for five minutes you would have figured out who the monster is yeah yeah i love it he's like it's so obvious. I also love the moment at the end when they're like getting in the Impala and Sam's like, Dean, or they're like, they're like, can't say sorry to each other. And Bobby like pops back out again. And is like, you two are breaking my heart. Can we leave? <laughs> like, I love Bobby is kind of the voice of reason a lot of times for the boys because they get caught up in their weird shit. I just realized like how long the boys spend just looking at each other, trying to convey i'm sorry without actually saying i'm sorry to in that scene like they just like stare at each other for a good long while they're like yeah me too and bobby's like we're gonna get fucking caught <laughs> like there's a dead body in that building let's go thank you very much <laughs> oh this is a great episode it's definitely it's very lighthearted. we don't get really not really we don't get any like meta plot in this episode at all yeah um which, after Porn Under a Bad Sign, like, lightening it up a bit, that's not a bad thing. Um, but it is a little bit jarring, I think, to go from Born Under a Bad Sign to this. Like, it's a bit, it's a bit sh of a shocker. Um, <laughs> They're like, we need to follow up with something lighter. <laughs> yeah. After the last one. <laughs> like, we just fucked Sam over twice. <laughs> Two episodes in a row. <laughs> Poor man's been through some shit. Let's... <laughs> Oh, we just get great episode Oof. after great and episode. And then on to probably we'll my get... favorite episode the whole season. I love Roadkill. I honestly, I think I might put this as my favorite too. What? I love Roadkill so much. I'm surprised. <laughs> so good. I love Roadkill. It's just. It sounds weird out of context. It's just so good. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know what I was talking about. I love it's... Roadkill. <laughs> <laughs> it's that iconic the ghost doesn't know they're dead uh i, I love the reveal that she's the ghost at the end like the first yes. time watching that like there's nothing like that reveal it's just like i was like oh, jaw yeah. on the floor like I, oh my god this is so like amazing creative writing mm -hmm. i honestly really really wish that i could rewatch this episode for the first time ever yeah. again it was like i such don't an even experience. really remember what I thought about it at the time, you know? I mean, you you start to get clues the further and further it goes along, but... But it's still... It's that sixth sense reveal. That's what it is. It's the, like, oh, he's the ghost. The, been the ghost the whole time. Um. Yeah, there are kind of some clues, but they're, like, very, very subtle, because we get, like... Um... My brain just... <laughs> We get, like, Sam, like, talking to her about ghosts, and then the boys 
saying over and over again to each other like they keep having that conversation of like well should we tell her no it's wait right, yeah. tell her now no you know like going back and forth um but well, it's it kind, kind of, of it's unclear it's still. unclear because they are hunting a ghost throughout this episode so you're like oh yeah. that's already the ghost it's unclear and also her husband is missing so you're right. like do is it about the ghost is it about her husband like what do they know and then when the reveal comes that like she is the ghost she's one of the ghosts that there are two ghosts that haunt the highway and then it's been like like 20 years 10 20 years i don't know i think it's been like 10 15 i can't remember yeah um that her husband actually survived and she's been dead and like yeah yeah 15 years um 12 accidents five fatal in the last 15 years where a woman appears in the middle of the road chased by a man covered in blood um, I have the notes document open. I opened it to find Trisha Helfer's name because she makes this episode. Yeah. Like, I love her. She is phenomenal. She does such a great job. Um, I really do think, like, she is a, like, you, in order to pull off a plot, like, a story like this, you need someone who can carry that role all the way to the end, you know? Like, we had to really care about Molly. Like, I love Molly as a character, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, we get we get all these facets of her and her, like, love for her husband and her, she's, like, sympathetic towards the ghosts and all this stuff. And, like, by the end of it, like, we care about her and we're like, yeah, we want her to get home safe and then you reveal that she's a ghost yeah (laughs) that she is dead she's been dead the whole time and it like it makes that ending even more bittersweet as she like goes off into the unknown yeah like passes on and you're like well what what's gonna happen to her and don't know uh the mystery of it like that the unknown is more bittersweet as a result and trisha just does a phenomenal job as molly this whole episode it's so good this is another episode that touches on the is it a monster yeah i was gonna bring that up yeah Yeah. another uh monster that's not evil you know a monster Yeah. yeah and even they touch on the fact that jonah Greeley isn't like a bad guy either. either he's just yeah. a tortured spirit basically you know that get caught caught mm-hmm. in the moment because he had i don't know unfinished business think, or whatever does it say yeah sam says spirits like Greeley are like wounded animals in so much pain that they lash out um there's some part of them that's keeping them here like their remains or unfinished business um like, I love that. I love Sam, like, very gently explaining ghost to yeah. a ghost. <laughs> it's great. But, yeah, like, I'm like, because that's the scene where they're looking at the photo album and Molly's like, look at this, it's Greeley and his wife. And then they find, she says, this, it's a love letter he wrote her. And she reads a little bit and says, my God, it's beautiful. Um... Mm-hmm. And you realize, like, this is our first real understanding, like, these, the ghosts were people. Yeah. Like, because we kind of, like, whenever we encounter a ghost, they're, like, they're they're usually, like, really old, like, um, the Hookman. 
you know? And they're just, like, all we ever really see is the, like, the damage that they're doing. And we don't ever really, beyond the basics, get a, a look at, like, who they were beyond that. Yeah. Like, even in our very first episode, even in the pilot episode, like, we learn, like, yeah, Constance was a mother and a wife and... Uh, her husband was cheating on her and in a fit of rage she killed her children and then herself you know and like that's a really heartbreaking story but that tells us nothing about who Constance was as a person Mm -hmm. like who was she like uh you know but with this with roadkill we get this moment where we're like oh my god like this is this is a little facet a little glimpse into the life that this ghost had before he was a ghost like he wrote these beautiful love letters for his wife and they lived this this lovely little idyllic life on this little farm in the mountains in the woods like and it's it makes us sympathetic to Greeley even though like he's like a he's the the bad guy he's also like there's some multifacetedness to him yeah that we get yeah I love, I think that's one of my favorite things about this season is this through line theme of is the monster actually a monster just because it's not human? Mm-hmm. Um, like it keep, it just comes up again and again and again and it's really important. Like they're they're like hammering this home. Yeah. <laughs> like you guys need to remember this. Remember <laughs> the thing. And they're really hammering it home because we get it two episodes in a row with Heart. Yeah. Heart kills me every time oh my god it's so good um first time we're introduced to werewolves yes this is this is our first uh, i don't know if they churn up again or not but (laughs) they do okay they do they are one of the kind of the lesser encountered creatures but they're not like completely uncommon either they're somewhere in the middle i don't know but um emmanuel the actress who plays Madison. I love her. Um. But yeah, I love... This is another episode where, like, the guest actress has to fucking kill it the whole episode. Like, she has to be incredible. Yeah. Because we have to really care about her. Like, by the end of this episode, like, when we are with Dean in the kitchen and we hear that gunshot it has to be a bullet in our own hearts yeah in order for it to really have the impact and the lesson of like this is a person with like a life and ex-boyfriends and a job and a favorite tv show and you know it's like another human being at her core still it's another instance of the monster not realizing it's a monster you know like the last one she didn't realize she died this one she doesn't know she's a werewolf you know Uh she has no memory of yeah i didn't even realize that like we've been lunatic sprees at night you know (laughs) we get the same kind of general concept two episodes in a row yeah and both episodes sam is the one who bonds with the person who doesn't know they're a monster yeah which I think is done on, definitely done on purpose. Yeah, because he, um, he feel, worries that he's a monster, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like we talked about in the episode, I think I mentioned that, like, 
the reason why Sam is so drawn to Madison, even once he finds out that she's a werewolf, is because he knows what it feels like to have these abilities Mm -hmm. and this, like, dark thing in him that he didn't have any choice in, that just was, that was done to him. Though he doesn't know it was done to him yet, but, like, but he didn't, it's just the way he is for no reason that he can understand, you know? Like, Madison doesn't know why um, Glenn turned her into a werewolf. Like, you know? Yeah. But yeah, I really love that. We kind of get, she's, she's a, a, is is foil the right word? (laughs) I I don't know, to be honest. (laughs) Um, yeah, a foil, a literary foil is a character whose purpose is to accentuate, accentuate, (laughs) accentuate, or draw attention to the qualities of another character, most often the protagonist. Okay. This literary term is named after an old jewelry trick of setting a gem on a foil base to enhance its shine. Huh. Didn't know that. Interesting. Interesting. Jinx. (laughs) (laughs) Yo me a kiss. (laughs) According to this, in addition, um, a foil is a character whose values differ from those of the protagonist, but usually a foil experiences the same events. Um, but since his values differ, so do their choices and behavior. Um, but essentially, like, the key aspect. See, and these say that they contrast another character. But essentially, though, the point of a foil is to draw out and draw attention to certain aspects of another character. So I don't know if Madison truly works as a foil. I think Gordon. Gordon is a good foil for Dean. Because... Like, they have stuff in common, but at their core, their values do differ. Like, Are foils you know, usually, like, someone they have, like, conflict with? Not always. Um, examples of foil characters. See, this says Draco is a foil for Harry. I don't know. I feel like... Well, they definitely um, have conflict. <laughs> yeah. So foils underscore the personality of your protagonist. That can mean their strengths and their flaws. Um, so right foils that are the opposite of your character in both positive and negative ways. Hmm. Um, so a foil is a character who by contrast underscores or enhances the distinctive characteristics of another character. Um, a best friend, a rival, a sidekick, or even an enemy. An effective foil is often a strong and fascinating character in his or her own right. Um, I do think Gordon would qualify as a good foil for Dean. Um, I'm not entirely certain if Madison would qualify as a foil for Sam. I think Madison would. Um, at least in the context of, like, they are going through similar things and responding to it in different ways. Um, so, and I, and that, like, in, as a result, that, like, highlights, um, Sam's own behavior, own react, responses to, like, his version of the situation, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm not 
totally sure I'm using the term foil right. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure either. I don't know either. I don't know. Um, But yeah, Heart is such a good episode. It's written by Sarah Gamble and directed by Kim Manners. (laughs) Another great team. What was the other episode that was written and directed by that same same team? Was it Croatoan? Yes, it was. I do believe it was. And Houses of the Holy. Or, no, it was Houses of the Holy. It wasn't Croatoan. Um, Sarah Gamble wrote Croatoan, I think. That, or maybe it was Rael Tucker. Um, no, she didn't write Croatoan. Croatoan? I don't remember. It's Houses of the Holy that, they, that we get there writing directing pair um where else do they come together dead in the water um they both they she wrote dead in the water and he directed it so that's interesting Hmm. um houses of the holy heart i'm not entirely sure um i'm like flipping back and forth between their two lists (laughs) let's move on i just i love when I like Sarah Gamble's writing, um, and I love Kim's directing, so when the two come together, it's always a good time. But, um, Heart leaves us on a really sad note, only for Hollywood Babylon to be like, have some fun. (laughs) It's like, um, Tall Tales, it's like, eh, we need some humor. (laughs) Listen, we made you real sad last week. I really enjoyed this episode a lot. <laughs> it's a good one. I love Hollywood Babylon. It's a great episode. As a film nerd, a film major, yeah. um, I've always enjoyed that aspect of it. The whole behind the scenes thing and like the kind of poking fun at the behind the scenes mm-hmm. stuff. And since Dean living his best life is a... Oh, yeah. AP, is that it? PA. PA, other way. <laughs> I was, Real close. I was doing the Mormon version. <laughs> Assistant to the president. Oh. <laughs> Other way like around. Erotic priesthood? No. <laughs> Assistant to the president? Yeah. Missionary term. Uh, oh. Seeing as I didn't serve a mission, that's probably that's probably why I don't know it. <laughs> um I but yeah, yeah, you're right. This is kind of like this is to heart what Tall Tales is to Born Under a Bad Sign. Yeah. Like, it's a little bit jarring, but also it kind of makes sense. Like, it gives Sam, like, the space to be, like, deal with his emotions. Yeah. With Dean not being there, being an obnoxious big brother the entire time. <laughs> um, and Sam is definitely the kind of person, like, we saw this in season one, where he, like, if he's dealing with something he just wants to bury himself in work. Like, he just needs a distraction. Um, which is highly relatable. I, I too, am that way. Where I'm like, let me just do anything except think about this. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Is it healthy? Probably not. (laughs) But it is how Sam functions. And so, Dean gets out of his hair, and Sam buries himself in whatever the fuck he's doing for most of this episode research, I guess. And then they come together at the important points <laughs> to solve a case. And it's a fun case. I have a hair in my mouth. 
Ew. It was indeed right. Okay, I think I got it. Um. Um. Really fun episode. Lots of good humor. Yeah. Creative writing. Lots of good humor. I just and my, yeah. This I think this episode is just a lot of fun, like fun dialogue. Yeah, one of my favorite parts. Uh, I love the scene of this. What's your favorite? What is? One of my favorite parts of this episode is um, just, like, (laughs) the more you have, like, Sam and Dean, like, talk about, like, ghost stuff to the production, the more you watch it, like, play out in the movie they're directing with all, with, like, actual quotes (laughs) about how to be ghosts and all that. It's really funny. (laughs) Not just them, but, like, when, um, just whenever uh, the stuff, like, comes up. Um, <laughs> like, like the then the like there's the salt scene, and they're like, I don't know what like why salt? What about salt? And the guy's like, oh, I can add an explainer. And then the next time they go through the scene, there's an explainer, yeah. you know. And then you see more of that at the end when the guy learns more about like ghosts and the where, <laughs> where they end really up fun. pretty much reenacting how they catch the ghost yeah. with the phone and the rock salt <laughs> you, shotgun and, like, and everything. Sam's like, <laughs> Sam's like. Um, you learn that ghosts exist, and this is what you do with it. <laughs> As a writer, yeah, yeah, I'd yeah. probably, I'd probably be like, yeah, that's how you cope. <laughs> um, uh, I think one of my favorite moments within this episode is when Sam uh, comes to talk to Dean about. something something research related and it takes him like i think it's during the salt scene and it takes him like three tries or something because or it's not long after it. it takes him like three or four tries because dean is also listening via the headset <laughs> so he's like yeah we're go for whatever no da 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 no (laughs) and he just keeps interrupting sam and so sam just keeps having to repeat himself (laughs) that's a great moment i love that uh i just think this is a fun episode episode. it's just a fun episode this is another episode that i think really kind of stands well on its own Mm -hmm. where you can just this one and Folsom prison blues where like if you just want to watch a good episode of supernatural you can just pop on hollywood babylon have some laughs and it it's it's great it's a yeah. great time um and like i said Folsom prison blues i think also kind of follows that rule Folsom prison blues does tie into um past episodes but it does fairly well at standing on its own i think um i really enjoy Folsom prison blues like I mentioned in the episode, there I have read so many fan fictions set within this one episode. <laughs> but I think it's fun. It's a fun one. It's I always a good like one. when the boys get thrown into a situation that is totally out of their norm. Yeah, you know, which is what part of what makes Hollywood Babylon yeah. so much fun is seeing Dean find his little spot <laughs> in this completely off the wall. Uh, situation that he's found himself in. Which he does in this and one, Folsom, too. <laughs> yeah, and Folsom Prison Blues kind of follows the same We kind of talked about this, I like... think, when we originally recorded this. 
Dean has a, a good ability to build it, like fit into whatever space he's in. Mm-hmm. And Sam has he's a more difficult time doing that. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I just all around love Folsom Prison Blues. Um. My brain just my brain is shutting down. <laughs> I love Mara, the the lawyer character. Yeah. I really like her. Um, Though the scene where Dean's like, if you're a good lawyer, then you can look in my eyes and you'll know if I'm guilty or not. I'm like, Dean, you watch too much TV. (laughs) (laughs) That's not at all how that works. Um, It did also kind of shift my perspective on Henriksen a little bit. Yeah, I was going to say... I don't like um, his kind of misogynistic treatment of yeah. Mara. Yeah, it kind of soured my opinion of him a little. I still like him as a character. I still think he's interesting. But it definitely, that scene where he's like, like brushes off all of her concerns and is like, she like comes to him with all these questions and concerns and he just like shits all over them and then is like, the adults have work to do. Yeah. Like, excuse me but she's a professional <laughs> like, woman just... with education you know like don't... yeah you're not yeah yeah this is a freaking lawyer you're talking to like just because i know public defenders sometimes kind of get some flack because like why would you like defend the bad guy but like well innocent even... until proven guilty right that's why you yeah, need lawyers but like <laughs> even the worst person under our like laws deserves a fair trial legal representation yeah. yeah it is you it is one of our like fundamental rights is the right to a speedy and fair trial and so that's her job is to make sure that like the the rules are being followed yeah and i think she's probably pretty good at it like she seems like she's really good at her job yeah um i honestly think that if henriksen hadn't been such a dick to her she maybe not might not have been so willing to, to believe Dean. them yeah because i think she partially i think a part of her really wanted to spite like spite henriksen yeah <laughs> and i do not blame her because he was being a dick yeah and so was so was agent boring agent his name boring, i don't yeah. remember what's his last name i don't even know um reedy calvin reedy even his name is boring <laughs> And I think it's on purpose. Like, he's supposed to be, like, a blah echo yeah. for Henriksen to, like, bounce off of. Because, like, his, um... Henriksen, like, is a presence. He takes up a, a space and, like, dominates a room. And so, like, you don't want him to have a, a like, sidekick who is too big of a personality. But, God, is he boring. <laughs> yeah, he's basically just, like, a sidekick to make... Yeah, Henriksen. and I think he's only in this episode. I don't know. <laughs> does he make an help, appearance help in season ego, three? I guess. <laughs> oh no, he does. He's in Justin Bellow. Is he? I think he. I'm pretty sure like he, he d- dies. I'm gonna say he doesn't last long. I don't think. Yeah, don't no, he doesn't. He dies. He does die in Justin Bellow. Um, that's a spoiler for season three. Sorry, but. <laughs> 
which oh. is another great episode. I'm excited for that one. <laughs> Dustin Bellow is yeah. a good episode. I really like that one. I'm excited to rewatch episode. season three because it's been a minute. <laughs> I just realized Justin Bellow is another episode like Croatoan where you have this little group of characters yeah, exactly. trapped inside one building trying to resolve a situation that is that like trying to get out. Like apparently I really dig the, that that kind of episode. <laughs> apparently we like that. <laughs> oh. All right. But yeah, I like I like Folsom Prison Blues. I love the ending sequence where like the boys are at the graveyard and then like the reveal that Mara sent the FBI to the wrong graveyard. Yeah. It's, it's great. It's always a good time. Um But then we get out of our we delve into something heavier on the next episode with what is and what should never be. Um, which I love this episode. This is our mm-hmm. talk about Dean. Yeah. <laughs> Week. Which honestly was really fun. Um, I love talking about Dean. Like, yeah, I know what the title of the podcast is. And <laughs> Sam will always be my favorite. But he's still but, a great character. Like, you can't have Sam without dean like they they balance each other out and so they're both they're, main they're characters both... of the show so <laughs> yeah you need so... both of them exactly um and i love um what is and what should never be i don't really know what to say about what is and what should never be besides the fact that i love it and i think part of that issue is because we covered it so recently i'm like yeah. i've already talked myself out on this you know yeah I don't have any new thoughts, but this does, I guess from Croatoan, we come back to this idea of like, Dean doesn't want to live in a world where he and Sam don't have the relationship that they have in their, like, in real life. I say real life as in like, real life within the canon of the show. Um, And so it is kind of, it is like, reiterating the point that was made in Croatoan about, like, the boy's codependency, and specifically Dean's codependency mm-hmm. with his brother. Um, we also get oh. that great scene about, with uh, Dean's speech at the his dad's grave about, you That's know... That's so good, yes. Why do we have to do this? Why for... do we have to be the ones to sacrifice everything? Which is a great lead-up mm-hmm. to the next season finale. But Yes. This is where I would like to read our listener feedback from Tumblr. Oh, okay. I was going to um, ask because like, we haven't got to it yet. I'm not entirely sure how to pronounce this person's username. Um, Veniator, I think. Um, but I'm going to read this to you. So they wrote in and said... Um, hang on, let me scooch my browser a little bit so I can see it better. They said, hopefully this isn't too late for your feedback episode. I kind of lost track of time this week. So I just finished listening to your last episode and realized I still had time to write in for your feedback episode. Hopefully it's not too late. Definitely wasn't too late. Nope. Uh, I think they wrote this in at like 8 a.m. this morning. Like, babe, I was asleep. <laughs> <laughs> I was also uh, asleep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they said, I've been enjoying listening to the two of you talk about the episodes and the different character moments you bring up. I've had random thoughts throughout listening, but I've since forgotten them, except for your note about John being missing from Dean's perfect world when he's attacked by the Jin. Some of it, I think, is about Dean's longing for his mother to be alive, but I also think that at this point, he doesn't want to deal with his father, even if he doesn't consciously realize it. Dean idolized John 
throughout much of the first season, but I think he's lost those rose-colored glasses this season. Mm. One reason is the deal John made and the position it put Dean in, but the larger reason is what John asked him to do with Sam to keep him safe or kill him if he can't. We know that Dean can't imagine a world without Sam, and Dean's mission his entire life has been to protect Sam, so John asking him to kill his brother if he goes dark side would make him start to question his father. Such oh, a I good love comment. that. Yeah, I love that so much. That is such a great insight. I had genuinely not thought about yeah, that. I haven't thought about, about that. how John's request, like John, the, the 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 secret that John gave Dean, would have changed his view of his dad so much. I mean, we even see oh. it a little bit at the end of the last season where you have this confrontation between John mm-hmm. and Sam, and Dean's you know siding with Sam and like trying to kind of get in between them you know yeah that's something that i wanted to kind of mention is we get at the end of um um come on you good uh audition is being extremely slow oh like super slow um i'm going to close this hopefully that helps I'm not sure um like it's being so slow it's kind of making you worried is it still recording you i don't know i would assume it is like i think it's just having trouble like loading and i think part of it is because the file is so big um yeah we're okay, a little we over two hours in of the recording there we go it just jumped so okay it's good. I think it's good. It's just being really slow. Um, what was I saying? Oh, at the end of last season, this is something that I actually, like, remembered. Because, like I said, I re-listened to our season one wrap-up to kind of be like, how the fuck did we do this last time? Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't remember. I didn't remember um, either. And something we talked about at the end of last season was how um, Sam comes around to Dean's point of view, which is that family is more important than anything it's more important than revenge it's you know more important than killing a demon like family Mm -hmm. is the number one priority for these boys yeah no matter what above everything else in the world um which is something that i am now realizing thinking about future seasons is going to cause a lot of issues down the line (laughs) but they will stick to that they will stand by it um but yeah, like you're saying, like Sam and Dean are kind of like opposing John at the end of that season, especially because John's like, you know, just kill me to kill the demon, and so Dean is already starting to get like, like he's like like this listener said he's losing his rose-colored glasses. Yeah, and then John makes him like tells him to kill Sam if he can't save him, and Dean's like whoa hold on a second it's the opposite of what you've been telling me (laughs) yeah yeah you've been telling me my entire life to keep sam safe and now you're telling me i might have to kill him like no not he can't like reconcile that kind of in his head and yeah i think it does it makes him start to question his father um 
just to finish up with this lovely person who's written, they said, um, I've been enjoying, I've been enjoying rewatching the show along with your podcast. I watched the show about a year and a half ago in about two and a half months. So I didn't really have time to watch and think about the story arcs and character development. That is what I did the first time I watched the show as well. I like watched it over a summer. Excuse and me, you just, watched just the entire 15 seasons in two and a half months. That is commitment. <laughs> this person, yeah, did 15 seasons. I only did nine. <laughs> um... They said, I enjoy listening to the two of you talk about the show and hearing your insights. You're both very positive about the characters while still calling them out for their stupidity. Both of these brothers deserve to be called on that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You treat the main characters with the respect that, it, that they deserve and that will always keep me coming back to listen. I'm looking oh. forward to moving on to season three and hearing what y'all's, your thought will, ah, hearing what y'all's thoughts are on those episodes. Oh, well, thank you. That is so sweet. Was that a different person I, I, or the same one? No, it's the same person. It's the same person, okay. It's the second part of their their message. Isn't that so sweet? That's really sweet. Thank that you for listening. so much to read that. I was like, I can't, and like I said, I was like, I can't re- wait to send this, to show this to Haley <laughs> and read it to her. We, yeah, we can't reiterate show. enough how much we love hearing feedback and like comments from you guys. Oh, shit. Hang on. Um, audition says not responding and my thing just started flashing Uh-oh. which means it's not recording oh shit okay um let's get back into this so I don't know where we left off this is a problem is I'm like I don't I don't know what we were talking about I think we were talking about our really nice we were talking about the comment. Yeah, our that really nice in. listener write in. Um, and about Dean. Losing. I was talking about how um, much we appreciate comments and stuff to know. Yes, it you know, does. To know that do. people are listening and they're enjoying listening. It's really nice. It means a lot to us. It really does. Um, let's see. I guess we could just get into 21. Um. Oh, it is. So, it feels weird to be talking about these episodes again because we literally just talked about them a week ago. <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh! I mean, we don't use again other than briefly because we did just talk about them in depth. Yeah, <laughs> I do two. have um a thing that someone that my friend Val actually mentioned in the discord when i asked for some like potential discussion topics that i thought was very very interesting is that when it comes to the special children sam is kind of grouped in with the other women or not the other sam's a guy but (laughs) with the women with the the female special children um because sam lily and ava's powers are all things that are like happening to them that they don't have control over sam and ava they don't pick when they get visions. They they have zero control over that. Um, Lily, mm-hmm. she can't touch anybody. Like, she yeah. has no control over her powers. It's a thing that is happening to her um, and not a thing that she actively uses. Um, Sam, Lily, and Ava all fall in that group. And then all the other ones, Max, Andy, Ansem, Jake, the guy with the electric powers who killed the neighbor's cat, um, that we, like, very briefly meet at the beginning of Hunted, they all have powers that they use actively. Um, which I think is really interesting. 
that Sam is one of the, like, has, like, passive powers, kind of, that he doesn't, he can't control his visions. They just happen. But, like, Andy can control when he uses his ability. You know, Max could control his telekinesis. It wasn't something that was happening to him. It was something they were actively using and had, like, it's very interesting. I find it very interesting. This is kind of a thing within the Supernatural fandom is that, like, Sam is the the girl, quote-unquote, in the show. He gets the, like, the feminine storylines, usually. Um, and, like, like, if the show wasn't about two brothers, like, of the two of them, Sam would probably be the girl. Like, if this was, like, any mm-hmm. other procedural, you know? Um, yeah. And it's moments like these where it becomes very prominent. Because Sam's also, like, the emotional one. And the what he's, like, in touch with his feelings. And he, yeah. like, is really good at talking to witnesses because he opens up to them and they open up to him. And, you know, it's it's the role that the, like, the the female partner would usually have in a procedural but it's Sam yeah. and he's a guy <laughs> yeah um and it then there's moments like these where Sam is kind of lumped in with the women in this situation when it comes to his powers as opposed to the the men which i think is very very interesting i also think it's interesting though because Ava takes control of her powers like, by the end of, like, when we meet Ava again, she has gone from her powers being something happening to her to her powers being something that she actively can control and is using. But she, like, controls yeah. the demons, you know? And mm-hmm. so she's, like, been, she's able to, like, kind of overcome this. Uh, at, but but as a result, though... Or it's yeah, as a result say. of going dark side. Yeah, I was gonna say, which is kind of scary for Sam's point of view because he's seen any time that these special ch- children like him tap into their powers more, they kind of turn dark side. Yeah, I think so. You see that with Ava. You see that with Jake. You saw that with Max. You know, with the more Ansem, they use it, the more yeah, the more struggles they, use they it, have with that. The the further down the road they go, um, I think. Andy is the only other one that's like yeah uh, he's been cool <laughs> that he's pretty chill and I think it's just kind of part of it maybe it's because he's high all the time <laughs> I think it is I think it's Andy's like chilled out stoner nature that keeps him kind of safe right up until the end poor guy um, yeah but yeah that like the idea that like in order for Sam to like take control of his powers and make them into something that he is an active participant in and not like a, a victim of I'm not sure victim is the right word but like make it so that it's something that he's controlling and using and not something happening to him he might yeah. have to go dark side and that like I think that's yeah, interesting both, like, especially Jake mentioned to him like yeah. It's like a switch once you start doing it, you realize like you just how great boom, it actually boom, boom. is and how natural it is. Yeah. It's like, oh no. <laughs> yeah. So it's like wh- like those are his options are like to keep being like passive and just let this stuff keep happening to him or like try to actively 
take control of these abilities, but at what yeah. cost? Um, right. Yeah. Which is so is so interesting. Um, we we kind of see the first glimpse of the darker part of Sam coming out at the end of the episode when he shoots Jake. You know, at the end of Just, the, at the end of twenty two. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the kind of the. I'm I'm kind of clumping the finale together. Yeah. <laughs> they. <laughs> um. Oh, this is where we could talk about the behind-the-scenes thing we watched. We literally just watched this oh, before yeah, recording yeah. the podcast. So on the Supernatural Season 2, the last DVD, there is a... I, I actually had a little bit of a hard time finding this, I went, and Val actually looked it up <laughs> on the wiki, like found a, the page about the Season 2 box set on the wiki and was like, oh, here it is actually for you. Um, in the... So I had the complete book the complete box set the one through 15 and it's got a little booklet and at the end of each season it lists like the behind the scenes things that are featured other than the commentaries those are listed with the episodes they apply to but it says um it's like the devil's road map and then underneath it like listed looking like it's a separate behind the scenes feature is the episode from hell all hell breaks loose part two like the making of all hell breaks loose part two um and I couldn't find it. Like, I put the last disc in, and there's the Devil's Roadmap, or Roadmap, and there's the gag reel, and there's um, Jared's screen test, which is fun. I've, we're going to have to watch that sometime. It's cute. Yeah, we'll um, see that. <laughs> there's the, like, webisode something. I don't remember what it was called. But there was no um, episode from Hell making of thing. And I was like, but I really want to watch this. It's because it's hidden within the... Uh, Devil's Road Trip map. <laughs> so you have to like go uh, into the map, okay. which and then shows you like a map of the country with little dots for each of the episodes. And then you have to go to 22 and it has the little featurette, um, which was like, I don't know, like 10 minutes long. But it was yeah. so interesting because really interesting. I never knew most of it. So the f- like the first cool thing we learned is that they had to basically scrap like a massive part of the original plot for All Hell Breaks Loose Part 2. And the uh, script too, right? It was yeah. already written out in the script. Yeah, yeah, they had this massive script and they like sent it to the network and the network was like, you guys are so over budget. It's terrifying. <laughs> like, please, this needs to, like, we can't, this isn't gonna happen this isn't possible we can't do this was it i missed was it mostly budgetary or is it like i think it was too long and i think it was also too long because i think someone mentioned that it was like a like a six hour feature kind of thing like there was so much crammed into this one episode that just was never gonna be possible um yeah they got like 45 minutes (laughs) essentially so they kind of had so essentially what they had was like the devil's trap and then at each point was a church and in each church was a Which like they mentioned. holy relic and Jake had to go to all the churches and was destroying these relics and so the boys were trying to stop him. And that's the part that was added. And that was <laughs> like the well, church, that was the, the church original, part was in the script. That was the original plot of the episode. That was yeah. the original main yeah. plot. And then they were like, Well, what if we keep the giant pentagram but we make it railroad tracks? Um, and like the churches still exist, but we won't go to any of them. They're not important. They just are the points, and then they're connected by these railroad tracks. Like railroad tracks are, are they're long lasting. They're made of iron that works. Um, 
And so they cut that down. And then they, like... So I guess... So I knew this. But I didn't... I, I, would, I think I'd been told it wrong. So what I had learned was that... Um, Jeffrey Dean Morgan's stuff was filmed separately in LA on a blue screen. Um, but actually, his stuff was filmed, like, a week early with Jensen and Jared, I think on a blue screen. Um, and then they had to, like, put it into the end of the episode. But there was a change in the script, so they actually had to reshoot Jared's part of that scene because the original script had Sam and Jake having this big showdown where Sam comes out of it just covered in blood. Um, and so they had that. They'd filmed with that showdown in mind. So I'm guessing with a with Jared covered in, in fake blood. And so, but Who's then... blood? Jake's blood? Jake's blood. Um, okay. And so then when they took that showdown out, I think probably also for budgetary reasons and practicality reasons, time... Um, and just made it the, they went with the, like, the, the standoff with the guns and Jake making Ellen point a gun at herself and, you know, that. They, like, simplified it all. Mm-hmm. Um, it therefore made Sam being covered in blood in that moment completely illogical. Like, the continuity is just gone. Yeah. So they actually had to take Jared back into the soundstage and onto a blue screen and film his part of it completely separate like he said oh, I think wow. he said it like with two tennis balls <laughs> like, oh yeah yeah instead of actors like it was a whole thing um so i was kim manners literally, paying attention like, to this by the way the... but i missed that part <laughs> yeah kim manners and him like and the crew on a blue screen redoing sam's part of that episode which is why it all kind of looks a little bit funky around the edges is because None of them were actually really on the set at that moment. <laughs> and then, Jeffrey Dean then Morgan was there. They had issues with the set too, because I guess there yeah. was like some bad. So there rain, was a there right? was a graveyard that they wanted to film in, but they realized that they would only have nine and a half hours of darkness to film, which was not going to be enough. Like that's that's access, that's a super short filming day. Like it wasn't going to happen. So they were like, okay, well, we'll shoot day for night, which is where you shoot during the daytime and then you, like, edit the film to make it dark. Um, and so they went to another cemetery that had more trees and stuff so that it would work better for day for night. And it was just raining. And they were like, yeah. this isn't happening. This is not going to work. Not going to work. So they were like, well, I guess we have to do it on the soundstage. <laughs> <laughs> and there's like a little interview with Kim Manners. He's like, yeah, they're out there bringing piles and piles of dirt in to make a cemetery. It smells kind of like manure. I'm questioning it. <laughs> like, so the cemetery was created on the soundstage. On, is it stage nine, I think? I'm not sure. Like, I had no, I didn't know any of that. I'd never learned yeah. any of that. It's so I love, this is why I love watching behind the scenes stuff. I get so hyped. <laughs> the, the title for this episode was really spot on, including for the whole casting <laughs> experience. Literally. <laughs> I loved it too in the, the little behind the scenes that like kind of talked over like the writing process and how they bounce ideas and write ideas down and then like all this stuff. I thought that was really fun too. 
Um, but uh, yeah. Was that Kim Manners, the guy that was just sitting with like his <laughs> his head in his hands? He was just like when they're talking about like the script, he was like, "I can't do this." It's I think so. he's the guy with the the longer hair in the behind the oh. scenes features. No, it was someone else. Maybe it was the writer. Oh, was he like kind of bald? <laughs> no, he had hair. I guess Kripke's bald now, but I don't think he was back then. Um, it might have been Kripke. It might have been one of the oh, other was writers. It? I don't know. I don't remember he that. He just looked moment. like he was like having a hell of a time. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. I I mean, they named the little feature the episode from hell, <laughs> probably for a reason. Oh my gosh! But it was fun. It was really fun. Uh, to to watch that and kind of get all these little insights into how the actual plot of the episode unfolded because I had no idea like none of that stuff is even in the super wiki like that stuff's not even listed on the super wiki's page for this episode like that is you you gotta go everybody I honestly think that any supernatural fans should buy the box set I think it's worth it it's we really gotta watch expensive more of the, the special features on there yeah. about behind the scenes stuff yeah Be interesting when like I think there's value, too, in having a physical copy of something. Like, the reason I bought the box set was so I wouldn't have to chase Supernatural around a whole bunch of streaming services, you yeah. know? Like, I really, really, really want to rewatch Hawaii Five O, but I can't because I don't have it. It's not on Netflix anymore, and I don't have the streaming service it's on now, which I think is Paramount. I'm not sure. Um, like, I can't watch it. And I love Hawaii yeah. Five O. It's one of my favorite shows. I can't, I can't rewatch Criminal Minds, like at least last I checked. And so I, I really, really didn't want that to happen with Supernatural. I was like, I can't, I don't think I could handle like losing access to it. And at least this way, now I have the box set, and I've also been making my own digital copies of the episodes as well. So like, I have backups if something happens to the box set. Um, but also I've got all this cool behind the scenes stuff. <laughs> was there on season two, was there more behind the scenes stuff about individual episodes that season that we yeah. missed? Yeah. Oh yeah. The the um Devil's Roadmap thing was like forty minutes long and I don't think it covers every single episode, but um yeah, we did we didn't watch that. I would like to fun. watch it. We should it. do that sometime. We should. We really should, because I think it'd be really good fun. Um, or at least do the equivalent of that for season three I think would be yeah I definitely would love to delve more into the behind the scenes for season three season three is really interesting too because I know there was plot elements that were literally changed because of the writer's strike which we'll get to when we reach that point in the season but um, right now going into getting back into All Hell Breaks Loose um, I love I love the continuation of... Oh, so I mentioned it. I mentioned earlier Sam's conclusion at the end of season one that nothing is worth losing family. And that ties right into the fact that Dean cannot live with Sam dead. Like, nothing... He doesn't care. He... Like, he says to Bobby, Bobby's like, well, the world could end, and Dean's like, let it end. Like, there is nothing on this world that matters to me anymore. Like genuinely doesn't give a fuck (laughs) yeah and now that leads into him making the deal oh i just love all hell breaks loose both parts it's It's so good good. oh and this is the thing 
This is the thing that someone, Maven, commented on our TikTok, on my TikTok asking for feedback. Um, he asked what we thought about Azazel's comment to Dean. Um, let me find the exact quote for you. Um... He says, you saw what your brother just did to Jake, right? That was pretty cold, wasn't it? How certain are you that what you brought back is 100% pure Sam? What do you think about that? I really want to know what you think about this. Because like, I have thoughts that are spoilers. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> um, I guess I hadn't really thought of the fact that like, Sam was dead for a limited amount of time, you know? I don't know Mm -hmm. how long it was. Um, Which meant, where was he in the afterlife, you know? I don't know where he was at at that time. I don't Um, think we ever learned for certain, but I'm pretty sure he was in heaven. Was he? Okay. Yeah. But it's not necessarily the, what, where was he? It's the, I think the actual, like, act of the, of a demon bringing Sam back to life, you know? Like, how does that... Okay. Um... Like, what do you what do you yeah. think of this idea? And what it could be? I don't be? know, maybe, maybe the deal with the crossword, crossroads demon. Did I call it crosswords demon? <laughs> crossword crossroads demon. demon. <laughs> he works for the New York Times. <laughs> you must solve the puzzle demon. in order to get your deal. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> oh my god I love um, that <laughs> that's the title of the episode <laughs> yep I'm literally, literally writing it down Cross- crossword demon thanks babe <laughs> I was unsure what to title this episode Tiredness. solve my problem um, <laughs> I don't know maybe there's something with like since it was a demon that made the deal Maybe there's some behind-the-scenes deal that she was, like, making with Azazel. Like, hey, I'm bringing back Sam, you know, who you wanted anyways. Like, maybe I'll, like, slip a little extra demon in there. I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know how it's going to play out. But the quest. I think the real question is, do you think Azazel is just fucking with Dean or do you think there is something to what he was saying because this no, is I the definitely thing think there's something he's saying because Cause, um, well, cause this is the thing about demons though is we learned this in uh, like this is kind of reiterated in Born Under a Bad Sign because Joe asks Dean like hey demons lie right and Dean says yeah they lie except for when they know that the truth will hurt more so the question is is Azazel telling the truth oh, or yeah, is I'm he guessing. lying to get into Dean's head I'm guessing he is because we already seen already kind of that murderous glint in Sam's eyes. He's, sh- you know, shooting Jake for revenge, you know? Yeah. I think um, Sam does have a battle of, like, good versus evil because he does literally have demon blood in him. So mm-hmm. I think... Oh, I yeah, think... we totally skipped over that detail. <laughs> yeah. So I think, um, yeah, it's going to come into play. Yeah. You think Azazel was telling the truth? I think so, yeah. That's interesting. 
to be honest, I don't know <laughs> if Azazel is telling the truth. Like You're the one that's seen all 15 seasons. <laughs> yeah, but the question is always, did Sam actually come back a little bit off? Or is it a result of everything else that happens in the next couple seasons that he makes the decisions he does? So, like, that's going to be the fun question to, like, I don't keep know in if mind. I don't know if As it's because he seasons. was brought back off. I think it was just the fact that he has demon blood in him. Yeah? Yeah. Hmm. This is going to be fun going forward. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm having fun. I haven't seen I'm very far. <laughs> I, because I'm just thinking, like, I don't know if it's ever really can. Like, I don't think it's ever really confirmed, like, yes or no, what Dean brought back was 100% Sam. Like, as Azul says, you know? Like, I don't think it's ever really confirmed. So it's kind of just left as a question. Like, are the decisions that Sam makes in the next few seasons because of the situations he's put in just in general and, like, what he's going through, or it, or is there something darker that's like leading him on a little bit you mean besides the demon blood thing yeah well i don't think the demon blood like it doesn't make him a demon you know it's yeah but personally that's that's how the other children went dark is because they tapped into the demon blood thing in them you know well okay so my we never really get an explanation for how the demon blood works how like like we don't like there's no like big like scientific like it's like part of his dna or whatever you know so i have always been of the opinion that sam and the other special children were was predisposed to having psychic abilities which we learn kind of later in the show are actually kind of genetic um (laughs) uh like it can get like passed down family lines um and so the idea the, the way that I've always viewed it is that Sam, simply because of their family line, was ge- like genetically predisposed to be able to have psychic powers. Whether or not he would have had them if Azazel hadn't fed him demon blood is we'll never know. Well, did, um, But I think... Did Azazel he, feed all the children demon blood? Yes. Okay. Um, so, at least that's what is assumed. Um... So, like, whether he would have developed those powers, whether they would have ever, like, manifested, or whether they would have remained his dormant his whole life if the demon blood hadn't been a factor, we'll never really know. But I've always been of the thought that Azazel used the demon blood to um, ensure that the powers would come to light, that they would develop, and that Azazel could, like put a timer on them basically like he kind of like and also could keep track of all of these kids you know like that it gave him like a like a a control over the whole situation you know um that's kind of how i've always viewed it is the demon blood doesn't change who they are like as a person it just was azazel's way of like ensuring that the power that the powers that they may or may not have had anyways definitely happened um not all not everybody not every supernatural fan believes this 
Um, how come when, this is my personal interpretation of it. How come when, um, like, Ava and Jake, for example, when they start allowing themselves to use the powers, how come they turn more evil then? I don't think they're necessarily more evil. I think it's situa- I think it's a situation. Uh, because, mm, like, Ava taps into her powers in order to survive. Like, she, she's, like... It, like she was put in a killer be killed situation and she did what was necessary and as a result she's like like she gets like power hungry you know and I do think like the deeper down the rabbit hole she goes like you know like I think it's she's like oh like I was just having visions before but now I can do all of these crazy things like imagine what I could do um and Jake I don't think Jake was ever evil even at the end because he literally I think he was misguided and um, probably afraid for his family because Azazel or Yellow Eyes does threaten his family like multiple times um, and like promise greatness if Jake does his thing. But um, like, and I don't, I think Jake, like Ava was kind of doing what he had to do to survive, not because he's evil. But because per, because it was necessary for in his situation, um, and I think he also probably got a little power hungry there at the end too. Like, I think the trick is like knowing when to stop, kind of. <laughs> but but um, that's also inferring that their ability to have power does have, you know, with power there comes the ability to be corrupted by the power. Yeah, exactly. Absolute power corrupts, corrupts absolutely. Yeah. So, as the question is like, if Sam delves into his powers, what will happen? Um, which I think is a very interesting question that we won't actually really touch on for a hot minute. <laughs> <laughs> Fun. Fun. But yeah. Um, I think trying to think if I have anything else I wanted to talk about this season. I was gonna I've... I wrote down two ideas. Oh, what um, do you write down? I would just say briefly mention the overall things we did and didn't like oh, about yeah. the season as like a summary. Oh yeah, and we wanted to talk about like what are our like top five episodes. Yeah, um, and that was the other thing I wrote down. <laughs> let me see. I'm trying to think overall what I like about the season what I or what I kind of what I love about the season honestly um first off there's just a consistent good quality to the episodes yeah um like even the episodes we don't really like that much they're Let's still say, well like consistent written. writing and yeah yeah season two is one of the most cohesive seasons I think honestly one through five are very cohesive like, as a whole, as all five. Um, but just, like, looking at season two alone, it's, the episodes really fit together. Sometimes, like, there are some moments where it's a little bit jarring. Like, we go from Born Under a Bad Sign to Tall Tales, or we go from Heart to Hollywood Babylon, and you're like, whoa, hold up a second, I think I got whiplash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know? But, I think that's something that series do in general, though. Like, if you have yeah, a really heavy episode, that's... they like to balance it with a lighter one the next time. Mm-hmm. And The downside of that, though, is we don't always get to delve deep into the effects of the heavy episode. 
you know? Yeah. Like, I would really love to know, like, what are the long-term effects Sam is dealing with as a result of being possessed by a demon Yeah. for a week? <laughs> like, you know, but we don't get any of that. And that's, that's honestly really typical for Supernatural. They're not always super great. They're really good at delving deep into subjects for, like, one episode, but, like, following through on stuff isn't always the greatest when it comes to, like, the emotional through lines, um, specifically with, like, trauma. Um, but, so, like, that is one thing about the episode that I'm, or about the season that I'm not a hundred percent satisfied with is the way that they don't really, like, they bring up these heavy topics and then they don't actually ever resolve them completely, I don't think. I also, this is a general supernatural complaint, I don't appreciate the, like, repeated uses of, like, sexual assault as a plot point. Yeah, I was gonna bring that up. there's, like, three throughout this season, um... And it's never, ever handled, like, properly or addressed well. Sometimes it's <laughs> even played off as a joke. Sometimes it's played off as a joke. Cough, cough, tall tales. <laughs> or born under a bad sign. Um, uh, yeah. Something I was I think thinking of, too, was... Simon like, said um... frames it, and you're like, this is, like, appropriately terrifying of a scene. But they still don't really address it. Yeah. Um, so... What were you gonna say, my love? Um, uh oh, she lost it. Hold on. Uh oh, spaghettios. <laughs> oh, that's the other thing. Um, I think maybe part of the problem with you said, like, kind of the misogyny of the fandom. Mm-hmm. I think maybe that's because the like the subtle message of the show is kind of misogynistic whether it's the writer or the director i don't know Um, i'm sure these like repeated moments yeah probably feed into it a little bit like the scene with mara like there are so many fans i know who love henrickson who's who's mara again oh yeah the lawyer the the public defender yeah yeah and i love henrickson i think he's a really good character. character But I honestly had, like, erased that scene from my mind. I didn't even remember it happened. At least I didn't remember it happened like that, you know? Yeah. And it's, like, like the, like, casual misogyny of it. And the way it's, like, kind of framed as, like, a joke a little bit. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, it definitely, yeah, I think there's definitely kind of something to that. Um... And also just, like, the internalized misogyny that we all, that everyone who is assigned female birth, I think, inherently, like, holds as a result of just the society we grew up in, this white patriarchal society. That we have to kind of unlearn and undo. Like, there's definitely, like, stuff that I'm constantly, like, I'll say or do things and I'll be like, wow, that was really mean to myself. (laughs) That was really, like, that, that was actually, like, like really cruel thought to have or something you know and I'll be like oh that is that's internalized misogyny talking like they were constantly having to like kind of unravel these things yeah um but yeah having things having it presented so blatantly and so like casually within a show like that definitely does not help with the unraveling process yeah (laughs) um I mean 
What did you love about this season? Oh, did you have something else you wanted to say? I'd just say in general. I, I mean, I know this is came out like what two thousand five was the first season. Mm-hmm. Um, just in general, it'd be nice to see some more diversity in general. <laughs> of honestly, that is over the whole show. That is one of my biggest kind of complaints about Supernatural. I would is say the lack of diversity. Uh, every- you know, diversity in everywhere, gender-wise, race-wise, sexual orientation and all of that, Mm. you know, representation matters. Like, we get, we get Lily, and then, like, immediately she's like, yeah, my girlfriend (laughs) died. We're like, okay, so we had a lesbian off-screen that died, and then this lesbian's also gonna die off-screen. Uh, like, supernatural that doesn't count as representation thank you no <laughs> <laughs> mentioning that a character is lesbian and then killing her off does not count as diversity it's not fun. i mean like i do part of me like like the casualness of it she's like right it's like, not like it has to be a big part like, of her i had a girlfriend right yeah so like which i can always appreciate because i think that's really important because if we frame it as like this big deal like, right. oh, this character's gay. It's, like, a whole, big whole thing. Like, oh, like That's their only character trait. <laughs> yeah. And meanwhile, like, with Lily, like, I do think there was a little more to her beyond that. And so I loved the casualness of her sexuality being mentioned. Like, it just was a thing. Yeah. It was just, she just mentions it. No one says anything. Like, and that I can appreciate. But then what they did with her character, nope. Yeah. <laughs> it, like undid the positivity that I was like I, re- I think I remember the first time watching this being like oh my gosh that's that's awesome like and I loved how they just kind of they were like yeah she's got a girlfriend moving yeah. on like because that's how I think it should be like it was yeah, as casually definitely... as if she'd said I killed my boyfriend like it was right it was framed the same way and I I remember being like well I like I really enjoyed that and the way they did that and then they killed her and I was like <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> it's always the gay no one that thanks. dies first. <laughs> every always, time. Every time. Um, and yeah, that's something that Supernatural will struggle with always is representation and diversity. Um, and like we do get more women later in the season. And, yeah, later, you've told or me. Not later in the season, <laughs> later in the show, and they're badass. And a lot of them are redheads. <laughs> yeah. They love the redheads. Which I remember. <laughs> reading a thing about how redheads have kind of been a way for shows to have diversity without having like racial diversity like redheads are like the weird like well because redheads are the special different one (laughs) yeah i think that's part of it is yeah because genetically throughout around the world redheads are very rare i say this as a redhead yeah i say this as a, a a natural redhead. Um, so is my brother. <laughs> Kason's more carrot top. Um, like his more his is more like orange. What's really funny? This is kind of off topic. Is when he was born, he had like darker red hair, like mine, and it's lightened with age. So now it's more orangey. And when I was born, I had more like orange, like carrot top hair, like his, <laughs> and it's darkened with age. So that's fun. But like I see this as like a natural redhead. Like we are rare. I, I understand that. Like, it takes, uh, it's because it's a recessive gene, 
you have to have it on both sides of the family and it has to mm-hmm. land just right in the Punnett Square, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, like, yeah, but they, like, TV shows and movies, like, use redheads as, like, oh, we're diverse. Look, we've, not all of our women characters are blonde. <laughs> <laughs> You know, look, we've got a bunch of blondes and brunettes and a redhead. Look, she's different. (laughs) And I think that's kind of part of it is the, like, is is this, like, look, she's quirky and different because she has red hair. But I also just, I don't know, for some reason, Supernatural just really likes badass redhead women, which I can get behind. (laughs) I also happen to like badass redhead women. I'm dating one. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, babe. I can think of four off the top of my head. Five. Five. I can think of five. Uh, and they're all great, interesting characters, so it's just fun. But <laughs> I, I think the other thing that bugs me it's about like a when false we false diversity, yeah, when we do have like female characters on screen, they're often very like sexualized, mm-hmm. or like you know just played as just to be a love interest, you know. Which is, I think, why I like Ellen because she's not. Yeah, but she is played as like the mother figure, but she's also kind of like. Like, in some ways, she's, like, the female version of Bobby. Like, she's not there yeah. <laughs> to mother the boys. She's there to knock some sense into him. Yeah. But she does, but like Bobby, she has a bit of a softer side, you know? Yeah. And, like, over time, she, like, gets a little bit of a soft spot for these boys. But she's not necessarily motherly in the way that, like, we view Mary as being. Yeah. You know, like, she's not going to cut the crust off their sandwiches. She'll make them do it themselves. Um... Because they're big boys, they can they can handle themselves, you know. But she is gonna knock some sense into them, and make sure that they know that peop- there are other people in the world that care about them. Yeah. You know. But that's one of the things I like about Ellen is, but Joe, by contrast, is like little petite, pretty. Like when we first meet her, like she like wears like, uh, like low rise jeans and shirts that are just a little too short so there's always like a little bit of her stomach showing and she for that was the like style skin tight. <laughs> it was it was but like she's supposed to be like the little pretty like you know bar girl who has a crush on dean potential mm-hmm. love interest kind of thing uh so yeah you're right they're often framed as like love interest and i like I mean, in some ways, Supernatural does a good job of having character female characters who are more than that. Like, when we meet Lisa next episode, like, Lisa is not just, like, a pretty one-night stand that Dean had. Like, she's a mom. She owns a house. <laughs> she has a mortgage. She lives a normal life. Like, she's got, a, like, dimension to her that we don't ever, that we don't really delve into right away, but, like, it's very clear immediately she's just not she's not the same person Dean remembers, you know? And that's always fun. But they do also sometimes fall into the trope yeah. of, like... I, I mean, they can't speak to, like, the later seasons because obviously I haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like they add more, like, like, badass women later on. Um, yeah. I, I'm just, like, speaking to what I've seen so far, and that's kind of bugged me, but I know it's also kind of a product <laughs> of the time it came out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I always kind of hate saying that something is a product of the time, but with media, I I don't like like I hate it in reference to people. I think the most, but with media, I think it's it's often more true. Is like this these were the tropes. This was the way that stories were told. You know, it's not an excuse, but it's an explanation of like yeah, that's a good way of putting it. I honestly really love 
that like it's not a justification yeah it doesn't make it okay but it does it does help you understand like why it is the way it is so but okay what are your top five episodes could put you on the spot (laughs) uh let me go look back at the list again hold on (laughs) okay these aren't in any particular order yeah mine won't be either um, I really like Croatoan, Night Shifter. Roadkill. Uh, Hollywood Babylon. And it's a tie for like either. All Hell Breaks Loose Part 2, or... What was the first one called? In My Time of Dying. Ooh. Those are good ones. Um, okay. So my list... I have Croatoan, um, Born Under a Bad Sign. It will always be one of my favorite episodes also um, like that's like <laughs> I, born under choose, a bad sign is one of my like top five throughout the show like that's not just a season two favorite that's a whole all 15 seasons favorite i love born under a bad sign yeah um roadkill uh and then i have both parts of all hell breaks loose i feel like i kind of feel like they should count as one but they are two separate episodes <laughs> so i'm gonna list them as two separate episodes so that's my five but number six is in my time of dying <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's good so and but yeah like i said those are those are just like the way that they're listed that's just that they're listing within the the season and that's not actually like which one would be number one kind of varies depending on my mood i think most of the time i would probably put born under a bad sign as my number one episode from this season simply because of jared's acting alone like it's yeah. like I said during that episode, it's, it's such like a good job. it's my favorite Sam episode that has only like five minutes of Sam, <laughs> <laughs> you know. But Jared's acting is just so good. It's yeah, I think I'd put that one as at least at this moment in time my favorite episode. Like if I'm in an angsty mood, I'd probably pick All Hell Breaks Loose Part One just because of the ending. It gets me every time, you know. Yeah, it's things like that. But generally. Born Under Bad Science, my number one episode. It's just it's just a season of really good episodes. And I think for really me... consistently good episodes. Um, hard to choose, but probably Roadkill. As a number one? Yeah. I fucking love that it's, episode. It's just such a oh. thing. I love it. It was one of those ones... I remember when we were re-watching... When I was watching with you the first time, before we started doing the podcast, that like we rewatched that episode, and I was like... Holy fuck! <laughs> that that was so good. How did I like forget about that? I think it just been so long since I've seen I had seen the early seasons that there was a lot that I'd forgotten about. Like, like so much of season two is so good, and I just like erased it from my mind. <laughs> like it's just fallen out of my head. But yeah, I kind of blurred episodes two. together between seasons two and three because I both think they were very consistently good seasons. Um, yeah, 
I definitely sometimes there there were sometimes where I was like, "Born Under Bad Sun is season three episode, right?" No, yeah. it's not. <laughs> it's definitely season two. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is just a consistently really really good season, and I had a lot of fun talking about it. Me too. And let me go find our episode schedule. I think I have a combo planned for next week. I have a lot of season three planned as a combo. Uh, we'll see if let's that happens. Be real. <laughs> most of that isn't going to happen. So next week we will most certainly be covering season three, episode one, The Magnificent Seven. Potentially might also be covering episode two, The Kids Are All Right. We'll see. Um, because <laughs> I originally when I planned the episodes, I did it kind of by lore. So I was like, okay, well, like these two episodes, this episode has a, a lore that we've already have discussed. So we won't need to get into that. And this one's got a new one. So I guess they can go together, you know? And I didn't really do it by like character arc or anything <laughs> so oh i most of our schedule for the rest of the, sh- the show is probably going to go out the window but Ooh, i'm just time. i'm looking over the, the episodes for next season there's a lot of good ones so many good ones got bad day at black rock i love it sin um, city i don't remember anything about that one morning <laughs> um fresh blood very supernatural Christmas. Uh, mystery spot. Mystery spot, yeah. Yeah. Justin Bellow, Ghost Facers. Ooh, yeah. Time is on my side. And of course, no rest for the wicked. Um, okay, so, yeah. I remember. Always... I really enjoyed a very supernatural Christmas. I remember that. Ah, I love that episode. Um, also, I have that Malleus Maleficarum. <laughs> The witch oh, that's episode the witch one. that's disgusting. I think I that's that the one. first time we actually <laughs> encounter witches too, which is rough. I, I just hate but the yeah. the gross stuff in that one. But <laughs> you're like Dean, <laughs> witches are already spewing their bodily fluids everywhere. It's so gross. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it is. I love when they encounter the the rabbit corpse, and he's like, "Why does the poor rabbit always get screwed?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah it's ghost facers is so good. We're going to have a grand time. It's going to be a lot of fun. So, but yeah, I think, I think that is it. I don't remember some of these, honestly. (laughs) Well, then it's going to be even more fun because it'll be like you watching them for the first time. (laughs) I think that is it for season two, babe. What do you think? Shall we call it? Yeah, I mean. Time of death, 3.47 (laughs) a.m. Not you didn't hear that. <laughs> uh, yeah, just wanted to end on a positive note. I um, love this season. <laughs> yeah, like overall, it's a really good season. A lot of solid episodes and writing and everything. It's real good. And I'm really tired. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Babe's gonna go to bed. I'm gonna edit a podcast. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> All right, let's wrap this up. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you to our two listeners who wrote in for things for us to talk about. We've it like genuinely it means so much to us. Yeah, thank you. 
we really really appreciate love it love hearing from um, you guys it, yeah it really means the world to us to know that there are people out there that, that, that you guys aren't just a bunch of numbers <laughs> you know you're not just a bunch of numbers you're actually like listening and following along and hearing what we have to say and coming up with opinions of your own and it's really fun it's really fun to hear from you guys so um but yeah that is it for this week if you have not already and you probably should if you're at this point and you haven't please subscribe to us on your favorite did i say subscribe (laughs) i I don't know (laughs) subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app we are on stitcher spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, all those fun places our home base is podbean but uh we are all over the place and if you would like to contact the podcast we can be found on twitter at talk about sam or talk about sam god damn it i let me let me find our <laughs> i don't it remember just, what if it our has social talk about, media just are. google talk about sam just search talk about <laughs> here, sam in the search here, bar and you'll okay. find us <laughs> all right um if you want to reach out you can find the pod on twitter at talk about sam pod on instagram at we need to talk about sam podcast and on tumblr and tiktok at we need to talk about sam i am the little red um little red who could on twitter and the little red who could on tumblr and Haley, my love where can the people find you find me on twitter at lifeless on three and tumblr hf thoughts dash blog and once again, thank you guys so, so much for listening. We love every single one of you. You really mean the world to us. And we will talk to you next week. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>